well, I guess it doesn't matter. Actually, it doesn't matter. They're all the same and they're all five points. Yeah. <laughs> so really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how I, I I just spent this time like making sure I had it all kitted out. I'm like, oh, wait, no, they are all the same cost. So turns out I'm dumb. <laughs> but um, I didn't want to say it, but um, well, but you're going to say it. So, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Again, this is this is why we don't play Imperial Card. <laughs> right. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that's going to help you get started with your Imperial goodness. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And uh, yes, we don't have a codex to look at today. <sighs> I mean, I've got lots of codexes I can look at. They're all Yeah, but room. no new one. We don't have any oh, new ones no to new discuss. Ones. Gotcha. No new ones to discuss. So uh, instead, we are going to continue with our several times delayed series on uh, getting started with uh, start collecting sets. And uh, we are going to be talking about Imperium armies. Uh, we won't be talking about combat patrols because we have covered those as those books have come out but there's still what about five to discuss i believe yeah four so, four or five to how you count it four or five yeah so we'll we'll be uh we'll be taking a look at those uh but first as always news new releases and your listener mail and uh news and new releases there's actually been even with no codex releases we've had a surprisingly busy last week or two of announcements um so I'm going to start with the one that doesn't involve a product that's available right now for order. And that is the news that uh, 40, Warhammer 40K is coming to Magic the Gathering, which uh, actually, surprisingly, was leaked first by the Wall Street Journal of all, of all places. <laughs> <laughs> well, Our because it was getting mainstream. <laughs> yeah, well, because it it was tied to a Hasbro investor meeting, and so that's business news, and and like they were talking about how they're uh, going to spin off Wizards of the Coast in its own division. I know that is a, a item of major import to you, Kevin. Like you, that was the what caught your eye the most. Yeah, but, no, like uh, yeah, like I thought that was very very interesting because. Being able to like spin off, spinning off a division into like its own thing means there's less, going to be less oversight, potentially more money, like more resources going directly to that group as opposed to bidding, you know, the money from Magic or D&D coming in and then, you know, going partially back to Hasbro, you know, corporate, it kind of can stay within them. Um, it, it really kind of removes some of the, some of the safety lines and some of the oversight. Which can be definitely be double edged because they could easily screw it up and, and ruin it. But, um, it also gives them a ton of freedom and flexibility to pursue things like this, you know, outside the box thinking that maybe Hasbro wouldn't necessarily want to do. Um, but also like on the D&D side, it allows them to do so much more that they don't have to worry about, you know, what's going to be the most popular and what's going to sell the most. They can actually do things that, you know, they think are cool. So I'm I'm excited for that part of it. Yeah, I mean, there's and they've said they've got a, a whole bunch of products kind of in the pipeline, not all of which are D&D or even fantasy related. So they mm -hmm. may have some sci-fi products coming down the pipe. But 
for the purposes of this show, what was interesting was buried in the last paragraph of the Wall Street Journal <laughs> article, and it was an announcement that they worked out a deal with uh, Games Workshop for to bring Warhammer 40K into Magic, and then I want to say, was it New Line Cinema or some other entity that they're going to bring Lord of the Rings in also? Yeah, I think it was New uh, Line, yeah. So it'll be based off of the movie version of, of Lord of the Rings. Uh, but uh, – and they did even specify the Lord of the Rings was going to be getting a full expansion. So we're talking like booster packs and everything. And at the time, it wasn't really clear what the Warhammer 40K product would look like. Uh, and then that got further uh, clarified by Wizards of the Coast who put up a, a post confirming that, yes, we're bringing these other IPs into – Magic, which is a topic that's a bit fraught in the fan base right now because they did <laughs> something like this last year uh, with a a special order set for The Walking Dead. Um, To say it was divisive would be an understatement. However, it was also their biggest selling special order product. So... Yeah. They, they, it's like, well, it doesn't matter if the fan base doesn't like it if they're still buying it. So, uh, but they did, uh, clarify that, uh, the Warhammer 40k product was going to be in the form of commander decks. And we've talked about commander, the commander format here before on the show. So imagine having a Warhammer 40k character as the character that kind of defines your deck and then 99 cards that are unique except for basic lands that uh, then make that deck do what it's supposed to do. They also clarified that these products would be available wherever normal commander decks are sold, which includes places like Walmart and Target and, mm -hmm. you, know, uh, you know, besides just your local game store. And so, and then Games Workshop released an article on the Warhammer community site uh, confirming that, yes, 40K is coming to Magic. And I'm going to say, I, you know, I, we talked at length last episode about, like, some of the new boxed games that Games Workshop is coming out with. And I said I would love to see those in, like, a instead of just being exclusive to, like, a Barnes Noble, I would like to see those in a Target or even a Walmart mm -hmm. to get the get visibility. And, like, well... You monkey's wish, paw. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that monkey's paw is now flipping me off. I want more time to work on hobby stuff. And then uh, that was in February of last year. I am sorry, everyone. <laughs> and now I ask for more uh, exposure for uh, 40K at the uh, big box retail level. And damn it, <laughs> this is not how I wanted this. So I, mean, I, I will say, as someone who doesn't play magic most of the time and when i do it's just kind of commander every once in a while like twice a year baby um <laughs> i'm excited for this because i'm curious as to how the 40k generals will look as commanders and also yep. being commander it every card should be unique and distinct i'm hoping the entire set is all like non-magic cards but more 40k themed magic cards that makes sense so no yeah. and and they've said that like these cards uh, the, besides the fact that they will have a special foil stamp that will clearly mark them as non like quote unquote like non standard they're calling it universes beyond cards which says like they're not legal for like most tournaments and things like that um they are going to be like 
uh, black bordered in the past. They've had silver bordered sets like the various unsets, like unglued, unhinged, the parody mm-hmm. sets. And then they've had like Transformers cards and like other Hasbro properties like Transformers, My Little Pony, where they've had silver bordered cards that are like, these are cards just for funsies. They are not legal for anything, uh, you know, other mm-hmm. than friendly play. But these are going to be black bordered. They're going to be legal for any, what they call eternal formats, anything where, that, where the card pool doesn't rotate. What we don't know is whether the cards will be mechanically unique. Like, are these going to be cards that will have abilities that you don't see on any other card in the game? Or are they going to be reskins? Because that's something else they did. Uh, last year, they released a set called Aquaria that was all about giant monsters. And they worked out a deal with Toho Studios to have Godzilla-themed cards, which were literally reskins. They would have, like, the Godzilla name, and then underneath that, they would have the actual card name, and the rules would reference the actual card name. (laughs) So you could mix and match your Godzilla and non-Godzilla versions of the same cards, and, like, it was just like, do you want to use the Godzilla versions? Fine, they're just mechanically identical to the non that, that's if you could find them because if I've got like two, <laughs> they yeah, were very too. rare. Unless yes. you bought like collectors boosters or especially the Japanese collectors boosters. Which yes. here's the thing: like I even would try to find collector boosters, I couldn't get them. Yeah, they because so, Godzilla fans were buying them. Right, right. Which I mean, again, this. more reason for this. yeah, why this yeah, why this was it, exactly uh, yeah. So yeah. it's like I, from a business standpoint, I totally get it. Games Workshop, you know, where Wizards of the Coast basically gets another audience to be interested in their product and want to buy their product, even just as collectors' items. Mm-hmm. Games Workshop gets huge exposure for their property, and 40k is popular. But it's not mainstream popular yet. It's getting there, but it's not there yet. And this would be a huge, you know, foot in the door. So I totally get the business ramifications of it. When this was first announced, I will be the first to admit I was extremely unhappy with it. I was not a fan of the whole Walking Dead thing. And for me, there's a couple of reasons that I I wasn't a huge fan of it. Now, I'll preface that by saying... I have since cooled down a, a, a bit on it. I'm not like looking to rage quit, you know, for uh, magic at this point. But I, ha- I am, I am annoyed and wary. And so here, here are my reasons. And these are my reasons. I'm not expecting anyone to necessarily agree with me. Uh, the first reason is magic, especially over the last several years, uh, has worked kind of hard to develop its own IP and a stable of characters and a continuity. And actually it's been doing that for years now. I mean, going back to like the Weatherlight saga in like 98, 99. And, you know, it's had had a devoted like story team and that's kind of ebbed and flowed, but they've always had like the, the idea of this is one big cohesive world. And of course the entire theme of the game is you are a wizard summoning, casting spells and summoning monsters to fight another wizard who is the other player. And it bothers me that by doing this, they've basically reduced magic down to an abstract rule set that they can just wallpaper anything over. And, it's it's a minor thing, but it, in my mind, to me, it kind of cheapens the property to to do that. 
I mean, and they've put in caveats like, yeah, these are not going to cons- be considered canonical worlds. These are not – these are specifically not worlds that exist in the magic storyline. And they even have a set coming out this this summer, I believe, summer or fall, that is like their new core set for the year, which is going to be set in the Forgotten Realms, which is not a Universes Beyond product, but is also not considered canonical for magic. So characters from magic will never show up there, but it's still just this kind of weirdness of these worlds aren't part of your storyline. Why are we doing that? I am glad that this is apparently a one-way thing. We're not going to see magic planeswalkers showing up in 40k. Oh, that if that bad. happened, I'm if that happened, I'm out. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm out of both of them. I'm just done. <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, yeah, I don't want to w- worry about the stats for Jace Bellerin in 40k. But, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, he'd be like a Zinch sorcerer, but right. Don't worry, yeah, he'd forget but, his stats anyway. <laughs> yeah, but and and that brings me to the other issue is that. It de- really depends on how this is done, especially as 40k, because the entire concept of magic and the entire, like one of the entire mechanics of the game is that you, you have lands and you are drawing energy from the lands. And so it's like, I need to tap, like, I need to tap a swamp. Let's see, two mountains and an island to summon Abaddon. It's like, what? <laughs> You know, it's like it's the idea of trying to shoehorn in 40k into magic mechanics feels weird. I don't want to care about the magic color identity of 40k characters. I don't need to know the power and toughness and and activated abilities of the Primera Space Marine card. I don't need to know four power and four toughness, right? Because that's their strength (laughs) and toughness values. (laughs) But you know, it's just it's. It's it's that it's like that. It feels like they're trying to make something fit that doesn't. Now yeah. maybe they're going to completely reskin the lands and turn them into shrine worlds and forge worlds and tomb worlds and like that's what I'm and hoping. Then, and yeah. then it's like okay, then it just becomes a game mechanic where I'm 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 tapping these worlds to generate resources to play characters, and then it's more of a generic right. game thing. And then again, that gets to the, and now we're leeching the flavor out of magic to fit these other things in. So those are, those are valid concerns. Like, and I, and I definitely, like, I stopped playing magic consistently probably about 15 years ago. So like, I don't have a strong opinion on this. And like, so I, I completely understand your concerns, but like, I got to say this, I played magic before that for like probably a good solid uh, eight, 10 years. And I don't think I ever once knew there was like a meta story. So like, it's <laughs> fair, you know. And so everyone kind of. But they've also like leaned like, harder into it in recent years too. So. Absolutely, like with the planeswalkers and stuff like that. So like, I know the I know the game and the setting have changed a lot since I played consistently. So like, I'm not dismissing those concerns, but I I would say that I think a lot of people engage differently with it. And if this is an opportunity for people to. Buy, you know, uh, buy a commander deck for 40k and buy the, you know, the Zinch commander deck or, you know, the Space Marine commander deck that they want to play and then just play it casually with other people. That's fine. Like, Magic's a good game with good core mechanics. So, like, yeah, I think that would be fun. And and please do not take my criticism as a call to, like, boycott this product or don't buy this product. This product is crap. I, I don't know if it's crap. Like, it might turn out to be crap depending on how it's handled, but it might right. also be really <laughs> awesome. 
I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to tell them they are bad for liking this idea or for thinking like, this is my jam. I've been wanting to do something like this for years. Then please, by all means, do the thing. I, I am not here to yuck your yum. I am not here to tell you you're a bad person for having a different opinion on a, a property like this than I do. Back, back to like that Walking Dead secret layer. Like I am a huge Walking Dead fan. Like, or at least I was, I, I kind of fell off of it after a while, but like, and I love zombies, but I was not a fan of the way they did that secret layer, primarily because it was mechanically unique cards available only at that special order method. Right. And like, yeah, the, the fact that these are like, you know, vaguely modern day setting like characters was a little weird, but like that didn't, that part of it didn't bother me so much because, you know, it's just a different like skin on a magic card. Like I've in- enjoy like people doing like card art alters to where mm-hmm. they'll draw Darth Vader on a, on a <laughs> magic card. I mean, how you've done them Be- yourself. <laughs> right. I mean, I think those are just kind of cool ideas. So, like, I can't get too upset over the fact that there's a, a picture of Negan on a magic card. I, that I really don't care about. Like, the, the fact that they made, like, this really good, like, human soldier card that you can only get, you could, you could only get, cause you can't get it anymore. Right. It, for, for white, that was one of the best white cards that they, made in a while and so like i didn't i but i didn't buy it because like i the the fact that that was mechanically unique and only available for that limited amount of time was distasteful to me yeah yeah agreed i i completely understand that and that's a shitty business practice um you know to to make cards exclusive like that it just as it would be shitty for games workshop to like put out you know, uh, the next Primark and make him only available through a special order website for two weeks, but then make the rules, you know, after that. So, like, I I get that. And my hope is that with this set, because they're doing it as this kind of world's beyond, a universe is beyond imprint, and it is going to, you know, not going to be available for, like, competitive play, that they, they will hopefully avoid doing that very limited supply of it um, if they do make them mechanically unique. And it's like, no, here it is. It's available. Just buy it and because I think that's it, – it's it's really difficult for a competitive game when you make stuff like that exclusive. Um, and that definitely leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. So I I definitely understand, like, the business model issues with how they did it before. And my hope is that they avoid that this time. Yeah. And, and, and it'll, again, a lot of it is going to come down to how it's, how it's handled. And one of the things that kind of helped cool me down on it is that I started thinking about it. It's like, I don't like this crossover. I don't like the, the this game system being reduced down to rules and having something slapped on top of it. And I thought, but I also like the idea of 40K Risk, and I own a copy of 40K Munchkin. And I think for me, the only difference there is, as I said, Magic, I think, has a stronger self-identity than either of those other games. And so it feels to me like, by taking this step, something kind of does get a little lost and maybe not completely because they still have, you know, they're still going to have like canonical storyline stuff, but maybe it's just a death of innocence type thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just, 
Yeah, and I but, think it's fair to feel that way. But like as you said, this isn't going to be. This seems like it's going to be in addition to what they're currently doing, and that's the part that I'm excited about. Right, especially with you know going back to hold the spinning Watsi off into its own division. This gives them more resources to be able to do more things outside of the mainstream, outside of their main product lines. Um, without having to divest resources, without having to affect those main lines. So you're still going to get your regular core sets for Magic, and then you're just going to get this in addition, which I think it's cool because, you know, more Magic, more D&D, more 40K is is better. And I think I'm there with Kevin of, I'm excited for this just because I don't play Magic much. So this is, hey, I'm merging Magic and 40K into one. This will be a way to see how the both of them kind of merge together yeah. and... At least, worst case scenario, I'll have a collector item that I can put on a shelf. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So, like I said, I'll, I'll I'll see how I feel. And the product itself is is a while off. Like they, yeah. you know, they haven't announced like this is going to be available in like fall twenty, you know, twenty twenty one. We don't know when it's coming out. It's just it's something that's in development, and we don't know exactly how it's going to be implemented. Apart from we know it's going to be uh, for forty k, it's going to be commander decks, which. Is honestly probably the best for- way to do it because it also means 40k players don't have to buy packs to chase individual cards. Like they can exactly. just buy the ones yeah. they want. And, and they're very good I'm about go- making I'm good the commander with- decks play out of the box. Yeah, the, they've been really good about that. So, and it's, and like I said, they might be mechanically unique. They might just be reskins of existing characters. It might be a combination of the two. So we'll, we'll have to see how it goes, but. But it's it's definitely interesting news, and it is another way to open up the 40k fan base to a you know to a new or the 40k property to a new audience. So, uh, and speaking of uh, products and things being uh, released, uh, there are a number of new items up for pre-order, uh, including uh, the new Pariah Nexus box game for Kill Team. And then uh, all those exclusive uh, models from Indominus that have not been released as part of Starter Product are now available as separate bundles. And uh, let's talk about all three of those, starting with Pariah Nexus, because we do actually have a copy of Pariah Nexus here in studio that uh, we just we just received Friday. It would have been earlier, but with the winter weather uh, that hit the area especially memphis was hit with a lot of ice and snow and that's where their headquarters and also their you know north american headquarters and also um i think fedex's north american headquarters or main distribution <laughs> yeah. hub uh everything kind of got slowed down so uh but pro- we, i have probably nexus in hand and i've looked through the product it is currently for order at well okay it's no longer available online it's already sold out by the way, it went up for pre-order yesterday. Uh, you can no longer order it, and it's it was was one hundred and sixty dollars. Now that one hundred and sixty dollars gets you twelve models and a bunch of Necron scatter terrain uh, done, kind of arena or rogue trader style. Uh, you get a double sided uh, game board. Uh, you get a book that contains the stats, not just for the models in the books, but for every model in the Necron and Premier Space Marine range. Actually, I think the Space Marine ranges, uh, 
including you know, including stuff that's like not in this set, but like includes all the new stuff that's come out as well, including like all the various flavors of Cryptek and all the various flavors of Intercessor, stuff like that is all in this book. What it does not have is the core rules for playing Kill Team. So this is not a starter product for Kill Team. This is for people who are established in Kill Team and want to play this particular campaign or who want the first crack at Heavy Intercessors and Flayed Ones and the Chronomancer. And I don't know if that's a good value for $160. I really don't. Yeah, yeah it seems it's, a little high. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely no like discount because you're getting basically two units of infantry, which are probably going to be $50 a piece. You're getting two characters that are in that $35 range, and then you're getting the scatter terrain and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it all, if you go buy prices for similar things, like it all adds up to around 160. But yeah, like with these boxes, well, you hope with, to get with the, the, a little bit with of a the discount. Scatter tr- with the scatter terrain and the board and everything, that probably, they'd try to probably sell that for another 70 to 80. So like, yeah. technically, it's like you buy these models and you get a, a campaign free. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's not the deal that we've seen in other box sets for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's frustrating that this is the only way to get these particular models cuz like I know people have been wanting to see heavy intercessors available for the for a while ever since we saw mm-hmm. the stats in the Space Marine Codex that came out last year. People have been waiting for heavy intercessors and this is not a great way to buy them because you get yeah. five. <laughs> you, I mean, which is how many you're going to get when you buy them in a box, I'm assuming. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but but yeah, it's it's not a it's not a great value. And if you don't like if you don't play these two armies, you can completely skip this box. There's really there's nothing in here for you. As a like uh, as a player of any other faction, even if you play kill team a lot, you do not need this at all. Uh, yeah. So don't feel like you're missing it if you didn't get your order in. If you play those two factions, even then, I would probably tell you you're not missing a whole lot. Wait for the uh, wait for the armies to come, or you know, wait for these units to come out piecemeal because it's just I I just don't see it as being worth it. Um, yeah. And they've also re they've also released a Kill Zones book for Kill Team, and they've re-released a number of the the older Kill Zones, although apparently with a little less terrain than they had the first time. So it's they're this they're slightly more expensive and not quite as good a deal. So that's problematic as well. And then we get to the bundles for the units that were, or the models, I should say, the models that were unique to Indominus that have not been re-released as part of their, uh, start, you know, basically starting line for like the, the recruits products. So like, you know, we've got the, cause like we've, we've got the assault intercessors and we actually have multi-part assault intercessors. You can buy the outriders or you can buy, you get the outriders, you can get the, the blade guard lieutenant, you can get the, the captain, like those are all available in, in get started products. But uh, for example, we have the space Marines honored of the chapter collection, which includes three characters and two squads. And the characters are 
the Primaris Chaplain from Indomitus, the uh, Primaris Judicar, and the Blade Guard Ancient, and then you get a unit of Eradicators and a unit of Blade Guard Vets, uh, specifically the sculpts, the Pushfit sculpts that were in uh, Indomitus. And yeah, that's nine models. Two of those units, like the two units in there, are available as separate purchases at fifty dollars a box, mm. and this entire box, this entire collection of nine models, comes to one hundred and forty dollars. Yeah, it's too much. Mm. <laughs> That's too much. And as <sighs> awesome as this chaplain is, you can also buy a Primaris chaplain without buying this box. So right. really, you're spending one hundred and forty bucks to get two unit, like two unique data sheets that you can't get any other way. As of right now, they really should just package those as individual characters to yeah. purchase and be done with it. This was a this is a bad product, especially when it's only slightly less expensive than the entire Indomitus box. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, this just isn't a good deal. Like, I don't know. I, I don't really know who this is for. <laughs> I would also That's, like I to guess point the- out that, okay, if you're on the honor, if you go to the GW page to pre-order Honored of the Chapter, we think you'd like, and I'm like looking down, we think you'd like Primaris Eradicators for $50. Mm-hmm. We think you'd like a Primaris Chaplain for 35 It's like, oh, so you're just telling me that I don't need to buy these. Or the the Heroes of the Chapter, which is the, um, the models out of the... Uh- Dark Imperium, yeah, box, like the starter box, which is like the five intercessors, the the ancient, and then a lieutenant, which is only $75. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe don't highlight that this is a bad deal like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is baffling. I don't know who this is for. Like, that's, I guess that's just kind of where I come down on it. I'm like, I don't know. Who wants these models? Because you're right. So many of these can be acquired separately. And I'm not going to pay $140 just for the three character models. Even though I do like the three character models. I'm like, ah, no, it's not worth it. Yeah. If they had bundled the three characters for like 60 or 70 bucks, then it'd pot- potentially be a, a reasonable product. Yeah. But then, then I might pick it up because having those models need- for conversions. Yeah. Yeah, padding it out with the honestly what they should have done is taken those blade guards and the and the eradicators and re-released them in their easy to build line. Yes. Yeah. Make them access make them even more accessible to new players. Price them accordingly and it's like, "Oh, do you want more options than you buy like like do you want to be able to take the multi-melta, you buy the more expensive eradicator box. Do you just want these three buy this box?" That's that would have been fine, you know, because they do the same thing with aggressors and they do this. You know, it's like I I can buy the easy to build aggressors if I don't care what option I get, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. It's like this. They should have done that here. Yeah. And this they do that one, a lot it, with like Sigmar stuff, too. So, yeah, you know, three, you know, looking at kind of some of the other ones here, like a lot of the easy to build three unit Stormcast things are like twenty five dollars for a box of three that are all push fit and monopose. That's worth it. People will buy that. And that won't yeah. cut into the $50 larger box you sell of Eradicators or Blade Guard Vets because they're different things. They're not mono fit. They're, you know, they're, they're, you buy the larger box to get more options. So I don't know. I would like to baffling. point out something interesting. 
all the easy to build kits for 40k are gone except for one and the, that's the myfitic blight holder because yep. they've never released a multi like a, a multi-part version of that everything else is just age of sigmar and they're awesome looking models it's not like these are yeah crap looking models they all look great and like they're all like the character the like most expensive the one is 40 yeah yeah and it's like they're fantastic if you're playing these factions so it's like yeah just do that again Make those products available. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they didn't sell as well, but, like, the Easy Build Redemptor was a great idea. The Easy Build, Mm -hmm. like, Intercessors and Reavers and such was, and Aggressors was a really good idea. But, I like, I know they, well, and technically, they've released Poxwalkers as as their own box at 35 bucks. They're still the same Easy Fit you know, Poxwalkers did the exact same sculpts. Mm-hmm. So, well, same with Cultus. Like, that's still the original push fit Cultus models. So, yeah, I don't know. Okay, this is also amusing to me. The 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 uh, Poxwalkers, the sprue they show on that page has part of a Plague Marine body in it. <laughs> 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 Because they just used the sprue from, uh, you know, from Dark or Dark Imperium. So, oh, that's okay. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oof. So, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, and, and so yeah, so so here's the Imperium. Not great. Now we have. Then we move over to the Necrons Royal Court. Uh, this one you get the Plasmancer. The uh, the two crypto thralls, the canoptic reanimator, and the scorpec lord. Now, this is one hundred and ten bucks, but you are also getting a couple of larger models. Mm-hmm. And like the scorpec lord by himself would probably be a fifty dollar model because he's he's a big yeah. big chunky boy. Um, yeah, this and I'm one trying to look up with the. What the the other version of the yeah the the Doomstalker by itself is forty dollars. So I yeah. imagine that the you know the Canoptic Reanimator would be forty dollars as well. Right, and then I imagine the Cryptech and his two buddies would probably be a, a forty dollar kit because yeah. he wouldn't just be a thirty five dollars standalone character. And I'll note you'll note they didn't like try to throw in you know they didn't throw in the Warden or the Overlord because again those are also in like the Learn to Play boxes. mm Hmm. But this one does it's 110 bucks, which is still a, a chunk of change. This one does not bother me nearly as much because you cannot get these particular models any other way. Like you yeah. cannot get the Scorpec Lord. I really would have preferred they released the Scorpec Lord as a standalone, but they yes. might have an alternate sculpt for him coming that's more poseable rather than you know this push fit design. So that might be the reason that we don't have a standalone Scorpec Lord yet. Uh, but like this one, it's still pricey, but it doesn't bother me nearly as much as the Space Marine ones, especially because when you scroll down, it's like they don't give you, they don't tease you with the, but you could have bought it this way. <laughs> yeah. Products. No. It, yeah. Just the fact that it's, you know, $30 cheaper than the other one makes it a better deal. Because again, like it, it's not that you're, 
not getting value for the $140 that you know you spend on the Honored Imperium. It's just that like it's $140 for kind of a random mismatch of models is not a good deal. If you lower that price point a little bit, then it becomes a more like palatable deal. Like at this case, I would still have preferred these to be released as three separate units, you know, and do them in their easy to build line. Like you could have done the reanimator and the Scorpec Lord, put them out at, you know, $35 or $40, just like you do for those Sigmar easy build larger characters. And then you can actually like buy the ones you want. And because you're saving effectively $10 on what they would probably be separately. Like it's not. You're not getting such a great deal on this that it's worth spending more money to get models you don't need or may not need. Yeah. So I, I'm su- now at first I was surprised, like, wait a minute, why isn't the Doomstalker a dual kit with the reanimator? Because they're the same basic body. And it's because the Doomstalker, even though it's not marked as an easy fit product, it's still a push fit product. Yeah. So that I found that to be interesting that, uh, they they aren't advertising on the packaging or separating it out as a separate line of products, the the easy-to-build stuff. But the Doomstalker is technically an easy-to-build kit. So, it, it also temporarily like out so of stock online. It just seems like it would have been such an easy win to do that as a dual build. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, I can't do CAD design, so I, I can't talk. But, like, just seem, that seems like a very easy move to make. But yeah, so this this set of products again doesn't bother me, and it looks like they're releasing all three of them together like this because they are a pretty much. It looks like they may have been mostly on the same sprue. Hmm. At least they only show one sprue, and I see parts for. I see parts for. I definitely see parts for the Scorpec Lord, and I definitely see parts for the Reanimator, and I definitely see pieces of the crypt uh, of the plasmancer so yeah, yeah maybe yeah, this as, was as i recall when i put them together i think yeah they were pretty much all kind of on one big sprue so yeah so basically in this case they're like well we're putting these together that maybe that's the reason the other ones are together is like for the the heroes of the imperium is because it is one sprue yeah i think that's i think that's correct or in fact, two sprues or something yeah let's see uh, yeah, they're one sprue. So they're releasing these products to you out of sheer laziness and charging you. They're charging you $140 for one sprue of laziness. Ugh, that's not great. It's not great. No, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks. I hate it. <laughs> So, yeah, ta-da, new, new products available. They're all terrible. <laughs> They're all bad. They're all varying degrees of terrible, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, it, I, I, hate, I hate saying that, but it, it is just, it's just bad. It's bad pricing. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I, I wonder, this all kind of feels like stopgap stuff. And, like, we know that GW has gone to, like, the two-week release cycle and, you know, they did just release a bunch of Sigmar stuff, and we know that they've got Drakari stuff coming out soon. So, like, I I don't know, man. I wonder if this is just – if things are just kind of released now to kind of fill in the gap. Um, and that's why, like, 
it is kind of a out of laziness move because they probably had sprues left over and like, well, what can we do with these? It's not a great business model, but I can kind of understand it, I guess. Right. But, uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. And I, again, I would, I would tell our listeners, unless you are really, really, really wanting the space Marine characters, don't, uh, wait for alternate sculpts, wait for them to be released as standalones. They will eventually, mm-hmm. Uh, the Necron one is not as bad a deal, uh, if you like, like, and, and the Scorpec Lord, yeah, I'm with you. I really wish it would have been released as a separate model, but seeing the sprue, I total, I see what they're doing and why they're doing it that way. This is just a better sprue than the Space Marine one. So, yeah, I wouldn't feel as bad if somebody missed out on Indomitus or wanted, like, really wanted that second Scorpec Lord or wanted that second reanimator for God knows why. And, you know, just really wanted those models. You know, this is not a terrible way to get it, but it's still, it, it, maybe it just drives home what a good price Indominus was for everything you got in the box. Yes. So, yeah, maybe that's it. Like, we're spoiled by the extreme discount of the first time around these came out. Uh, so, yeah, buyer beware. From that, we're going to switch over to a happier topic, which is listener mail, your listener mail. And we're going to tell you how you can get your mail read at the end of the segment. And uh, we actually have more than one letter today. We had a lot. uh, We had a number of people write in and we've got some good letters. So uh, just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's sending in letters. And don't forget, uh, we do have our anniversary show coming up in April. So if you want to get us get anything for our 10th anniversary uh as far as content to read or even listen to with if you send us audio uh we'll you know send that along with in the same places that you're going to send uh your mail uh but let's go ahead and start off with andrew grafton andrew writes hey guys love the show thank you andrew uh, I am a returning player who started around 3rd edition but left the hobby sometime during the transition to 7th ed because I didn't like the direction the company was going, uh, but also because of changes in my life. When Games Workshop canceled Fantasy, it absolutely did me in, as controversially, that was my favorite of the core games. I've kept my eye on developments in the hobby and even played an 8th edition game but hated the rules. Now, 9th edition seems to have gotten it right, and the company's relationship with the hobbyist seems a lot healthier. But most importantly, I now live to a, close to a friendly local games workshop to actually play some games, pandemic permitting. Now that I have some time and extra money, it seems like opportunity to pull out the old models. My question is this. What does a returning player need to know about the hobby and its meta? I hear the story has been advanced and Cadia was destroyed. What are the biggest changes to the game since 5th or 6th edition? Should I trust Games Workshop to not take my money and turn around and neglect the factions that don't make money and never update rules and models? Also, I never even gave Age of Sigmar a chance out of spite and bitterness. So what's the deal with that? Uh, listening to your podcast is really hyping me up to get back into the hobby. I've got about 10 pounds of old Morty and Iron Guard metal models sitting on my desk and Amazon packages piling up beneath it. Keep it real, guys. Andrew. Uh, there's a lot That's to unpack. That's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah. <there's> a- <laughs> so uh, first off, welcome back to the fold. Welcome back to the yeah. hobby. Um and uh, I, I do find it interesting. He hated 8th edition, but loves 9th, uh, considering that 9th is just a tweaking of 8th edition. But hey, maybe it just tweaked the things that he didn't Polish. like about 8th. So yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, and I definitely think 9th is a fantastic edition. 
Um, so does what does a returning player need to know about the hobby and its meta? Um, I would say if you're unless you're planning on playing competitively, I don't think you really need to care about the meta. I mean, even if you're playing competitively, I don't think you need to care about the meta, like the story or anything like that. Like, yeah, but I, yeah. I'm assuming he means meta as far as like what is like what are the army builds that are currently powerful. Yeah, oh, sure, sure. Uh, and in that regard, it's good to know what's going on. And between Warhammer Communities, Meta Watch, and sites like Goonhammer, it's pretty easy to keep up on like what builds are doing well. But I will also say that Ninth Edition has done a lot of good balance fixes just by changing some of the core rules and we're seeing a far more diverse set of armies doing well there's still Mm -hmm. some factions like tau that are just not built for this edition and need a lot of help but the other uh, one i'll toss out is the board size change makes a big difference too yes it does for sure definitely be aware of that because people get into assault faster or your longer range weapons have full board coverage now yeah. So uh, that's, you know, that's definitely something to keep in mind. So it is good if you're going to play competitively to kind of focus on just if nothing else. So you know what you're going to deal with. So you don't get comp- caught completely unawares or that you're not familiar with like strategies that people will be using. Uh, so that's where I would definitely keep up on the meta as a returning player. Just and also to refresh yourself with like this is how the rules have changed. And so things that may have been bad the last time you played are now good again or are good in a Unless different way. Unless it's Vespid are never going to be good. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you right there. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Let's see. I hear the story has been advanced and Cadia has been destroyed. Oh, have we got tales to tell you? <laughs> so as a quick, as a quick aside, Linking it back to the magic thing for a moment. Uh, in the Warhammer Facebook, the Warhammer 40k Facebook page where they are uh, post where they announced like the, the release of it. One of like the first comments and it had a whole bunch of likes was somebody going, man, they really need to make a unique land called Cadia, which is the only land that's worth zero mana. <laughs> which is I said they should release it harsh. as a foil because then it would still stand. <laughs> oh, because uh, for for those of you who don't know, they've had a massive quality issue lately with their foil cards. They're Pringles. <laughs> they they yeah. they curve so much they yeah, are their own standees. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, uh, the the story has changed quite a bit. Um, yeah, did did you know that there's a Primark that got back up? <laughs> And uh, one? Back. <laughs> well, yeah, there are multiple primers, but one Imperium Primarch came yeah. back from the dead, and uh, and you can use just him as a model. Dead. He mostly he got better. Yeah. Um, uh, thank, actually, technically, he was he was always dead. on the verge of death in yeah. stasis. He was so. just he was just mostly dead. When mostly dead, is still partially alive. Yeah, but then he had to become completely dead before he could become alive again. <laughs> and then we rifled through his pockets for loose change. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, so, story-wise, uh, there's a lot that's happened. So just yeah. I'd oh, say yeah. find old like lore dumps because I'm sure there, there's videos online or that of mm-hmm. just and find whatever faction you like the best and just kind of read slash watch what's been going on with them or if you like them all because the story has actually been good and it's been fun yes. seeing it progress. I mean, if you're you've gone gone a while, it, there's going to be a lot of story, but if you're up there, they, they push like a few things each year, maybe one major thing, but the rest is just 
the battles that are going on. But it's been nice seeing that one big thing kind of reshape the story landscape. Yeah, and you know, as somebody who had been following the game for a while, yeah, the the storyline was really static for years, and the fact that when they went into Eighth Edition, they massively moved the story forward has been really neat to see. So yeah, the the story has changed. It would take me a long time to go through it. Uh, we do have some older episodes from when the the seventh to eighth edition transition happened, uh, covering the Gathering Storm books and kind mm-hmm. of getting into the history there. Uh, you can definitely give those a listen, or you know, just look up like on Lexicanum or any of the various forty k wikis. Look up like the Gathering Storm, or also Psychic know, Awakening. Psychic Awakening has has been the big because that was the lead into ninth edition. Yeah, uh, that but it was, was a, very a sporadic of, stories. Yeah, those were a lot of smaller stories that were like loosely related, but not directly related. With the way Gathering Storm was like one narrative from start mm-hmm. to finish, and they were a bunch of stories that didn't really get finished. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, with, <laughs> that is also Awakening. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are the biggest changes to the game since fifth or sixth edition? Whoo, um, we're going to be here a while. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I mean, unit data sheets and uh, stats and such have changed. Like, like weapon skill, has, it obviously had the biggest change in that you don't compare it anymore. You just have a, a fixed to, you know, value. Uh, not everybody moves six inches anymore. <laughs> There's no more armor facings on vehicles. Vehicles just have toughness and wounds like everybody else. Um, and monsters work the same way. Weapon and profiles. guns. Vehicle guns are 360 no scope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no turrets or sponsons or fixed forward weapons, anything. Everything is everybody can fire in every direction. We have like lords. Is it, well, since fifth or sixth edition, lords of war are in the game, <laughs> but D <Yeah>. weapons <laughs> are not. Thank goodness. <sighs> yeah, well, there's like the psychic and, phase has changed a lot since then. Weapon damages and wounds have changed. So, like, yes. Terminators now have multiple wounds. You know, a weapon like a Power Fist will do multiple damage. So, like, things like that that kind of give – some of these things have taken, like, granularity out of the game, and then some of it have added it back in in a slightly different way. And I think it's overall added up to, like, the game being – simultaneously more complicated and a little more like nuanced, but also far more streamlined than it was in fifth or sixth edition. Oh yeah. And far more streamlined. Um, let's see. Universal special rules are pretty much all gone. Uh, instant death is gone. Oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, we do have things called mortal wounds, which are unsavable. So keep that in mind. Unless you have a special um, rule. <laughs> unless you have a special rule. Uh, and a lot of the ability, like you'll still see things that have an ability similar to like feel no pain, but it's not called feel no pain because it's not standardized. Mm-hmm. But uh, And there are some mortal wounds that come in and say, after this happens, the attack sequence ends, which means, no, you don't get your save against mortal right. wounds against it. So, yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, changes like between seventh to eighth i mean one of the things uh, and we do have episodes on on the differences between seventh and eighth and then also from you know from eighth to ninth seventh to eighth is the big switch over and i think the lesson we kind of came away from that is forget everything you know from seventh yeah. edition and just relearn the game because a lot of the core assumptions are different. The core rules are very different. I mean, the basic mechanics are very similar, 
but it's a whole new battlefield. And so I think you are not trying to to work the way things were in older editions will not help you in any way. So just kind of yeah. come in fresh. No, I, I definitely want to reiterate that because I think that the most people that had the di- people that had the most difficulty with eighth edition in the start were people who were playing consistently and competitively because you had to relearn everything. People that yeah. dropped in after being out for an edition or two seem to have no problem picking it back up. So yes, I think you're actually yeah. in a good spot. <laughs> yeah, you're probably actually in a, in a better spot than you would be somebody trying to to transition from seventh eighth at the time. Should I trust Games Workshop to not take my money and turn around and neglect the factions that don't make money and never update rules and models? Um, I can't say they won't take your money because we just talked about how they're selling overpriced <laughs> right. sprues. Uh, but but I will say they have followed through on some promises they made a while back. Like Sisters got a whole new model line and are still getting new models. In fact, they're getting brand new units that we've never seen before. And they're, they have gotten, uh, they're getting, you know, they got a new codex at the end of, uh, what, near the end of 2019. And, mm-hmm. and there, there looks like they'll probably have an updated codex for ninth edition, pro- maybe by the end of this year, because they've already been like revealing new models coming. Drukari, also, you know, known as Dark Eldar, uh, back around sixth edition, got a completely new model line. And have been kept updated since then. And in fact, they are the next Codex due. So they were an army that just sat idle for a very long time. Uh, Necrons got a, a yeah. major revamp back in 5th edition and they've continued to update them. Uh, so they've gotten really good at making sure that armies are fleshed out and everybody gets their moment in the sun and everybody's getting updated and so I think they're way better than they were back in the day where a faction could just languish for a decade or more and be yeah, only right. quasi playable. Yeah, a faction might languish for an addition, but like we saw with the Psychic Awakening books, they tried to make sure they hit every faction. With indexes coming out, every faction is in, or not in that, but the yearly compendiums, every faction is hit there. Yeah. Um, and books have been a lot faster because they're trying to make sure everyone's up on the same page. It just will feel bad if you're in the end of that. But then, like, we're talking about Tau. Uh, but that's only going to be the end of this one, probably. So it's only be like a year or two of pain for Tau rather than 10 years like Dark Eldar had. Yeah. And they're just hurting because they were built with 8th edition in mind. When we're in 8th edition, they were pretty decent. 9th edition changed up the assumptions a bit and they. They're not built for that, so that's the main issue there. Well, so yeah, one more thing that I wanted to mention uh, that's also that it's simultaneously a big change in the world design, but also something specifically since you mentioned having Morty and Iron Guard. There are a lot more sub factions now. So within Space Marines, every Space Marine chapter gets their own rules. Within Astra Militarum, each regiment gets its own sub rules. Um, so there are actually now specific regimental rules for playing Morty and Iron Guard versus, and that makes them play differently than Cadian troopers or, you know, Catechins or things like that. So there are definitely, I, I like the way that they've designed this game with using like keywords and, and like faction specific keywords, because it allows you to design armies that play within one faction or one sub faction and then do extra things compared to just, 
your, you know, in fifth edition, your here's your Space Marine army, and I'm going to call them Ultramarines because I painted them all blue. You know, like they actually Ultramarines substantively play different than Iron Fists or Blood Angels, um, and I think that is a, you a, say a Iron big fist. You mean Iron Hands or Imperial? Fists? Iron Hands. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, Iron Fist. No, that's my special subchapter. Um, <laughs> It's a, you know, Iron Fist or that mediocre Netflix chapter. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, it, but it, it means that all of these sub factions, while they're within the same codex, do different things and, and hew much closer to the lore. Um, and specifically, since you mentioned you have a bunch of old Morty and Iron Guard, you actually now have rules to play Morty and Iron Guard and play Imperial Guard, but make them Morty and Iron Guard and like have them do things that hew closer to the fluff uh, of the army. And I think that is a, a huge step forward in game design for, for GW. Uh, oh, absolutely. And also let's not forget as far as, you know, things that they regularly update the, uh, the games workshop of fifth and sixth edition hardly ever released errata or FAQs. I mean, you could wait a year or more without seeing any updates. The games workshop of today does regular FAQs, regular errata. I mean, like they'll do errata on a codex, uh, you know, errata and FAQ on a codex two to three weeks, usually after it hits, maybe a month after it hits. And people have had ch- chance to ask questions and be like, yeah, this doesn't seem quite right. Or, Hey, we noticed there was something wrong in the book. Uh, they've also, you know, made it obviously not so much in 2020 because of the pandemic, but in the years leading up to that, they had started actively watching high-end competitive events to see how were people breaking the game and what loopholes had they left open? What did they do wrong? And then they would release, we'd have big FAQs twice a year where they would go through and retool that, like they would update the game basically. So they were actively patching the game for balance in a way they had not done for a long time before that. They actually care about the health of the game, not just the health of the model sales. Because they also know those two things go hand in hand. If people don't feel the game is balanced, they'll quit playing the game. And then finally, uh, it never gave Age of Sigmar a chance out of spite and bitterness. What's the deal with that? Well, you have a lot to deal with. Um, things that you... Oh, oh, no, no. You're asking what the deal with Age of Sigmar is, not with the spite and bitterness. Okay. Uh, um, uh, sorry. Don't mean, don't, don't mean to take that out on you, Andrew. Uh, so, uh, so Age of Sigmar... I think w- the launch of that was very clumsily handled. Yeah. Uh, you know, they blew up the old world, literally blew up the old world, and they released a game. It's like, hey, you can play this with your old world models, and the bases don't matter, and there's no points, and you can just build whatever you want. And the irony uh, was that underneath all the things that they handled badly, there was actually a very simple, solid rule system, mm-hmm. which is part of the inspiration of how Ninth Edition has turned out and Age of Sigmar has turned out since then. And one of the most important things that they did with Age of Sigmar was... There were people who were like, well, we love this rule set's actually pretty good, but the problem is there's no way to balance army building. So there were a number of player groups who put it upon themselves to make a point system for Age of Sigmar and Games Workshop. In the past, they would have basically either not cared at all or would have told them, stop that. You're, you're trying to like change our rules. Stop that. 
And instead, what Games Workshop did was they brought them in-house and met with them and said, okay, how could we balance this? And I want to say it was 2017, they released a General's Handbook. Mm -hmm. 2016 or 2017, they basically released their first like yearly update book for one of their games. And they said, okay, so now here's a point system. Here's how to build, here's how to build a, a pretty roughly balanced army. And that was what made the game click. And it has like, it's not 40 K big yet, but it has been very successful at growing. And it's there. They've, also done like they do the regular faqs and they do a yearly update and 40k does a yearly update too and so they're constantly tweaking the points they're constantly putting out new uh what they call battle plans for like you know new missions and things like that and they've managed to bring it into this game that is it is not fantasy if you like uh you know moving blocks of troops around and having flanking and wheeling and things like that uh, this won't be that game, but if you like the fantasy setting and if you like it kind of cranked up to 11 and I, it's a it's a good streamlined rule system. It's a lot like 8th and 9th edition because, as I said, that's kind of the inspiration. Uh, and they've really, you know, they're on like, uh, they haven't named it differently, but it's a pretty much like the second edition of Age of Sigmar at this point. And they've like to you know tweaked and retooled the rules a little bit but it's still pretty simple and it's very popular so you might give it another try if you don't mind it not being about large blocks of troops although you can absolutely still play horde armies in it but the other thing about it is it scales way better than fantasy ever did so you can get in at a very small army size try it out and then work your way back up to large battles and they and the game just like how uh, 40k now scales from 500 to 2000 points very well age of sigmar does the same thing so definitely yeah considered giving it another go yeah the people who've played it a lot more than i have have said it's one of the best balanced mini games that they've played um the big the big hang up is you know it's not the old world so if you can kind of move past the mental block of this is a different game in a different setting, then I know a lot of people that have had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And I'll say I don't play it, but I've been told I need to since I like playing assault type armies in 40k and in Age of Sigmar, assault is mm-hmm. the primary way to do things because they don't have a lot of shooting unlike in 40k. So maybe someday I'll give it a shot, but I'm, I've got too many 40k models, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, but you also have a lot of Chaos Demons models, and those are easily usable ah, in know. Age of Sigmar. I know. People keep bringing that up, so maybe I'll break that <laughs> up play a game someday. And one thing about Competitive Age of Sigmar, they got rid of the whole bases don't matter, and they've actually released a uh, document that says, here's the base sizes for all the models that we use. This is what, what you should use for competitive play. So bases do, mod- do matter now. They, so, they really need to do that for 40k as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you had a lot of questions, Andrew. I hope we answered them. And I know some of them we had to give like the extremely thin Cliff's Notes versions, but we do have episodes in our back catalog that address a, a number of those. So check those out. 
All right, next up is from Stefan Broin. Stefan writes, Dear Preferred Enemies, During the pandemic, I was looking for some hobby project to work on while spending time at home. I remembered that some 16 years ago, I and my friends back then made an effort to play Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Sadly, we never played more than a pair of games, and I sold my Warriors of Chaos. After some thinking, I decided to give miniature painting another go, and as Fantasy Battle is no more, I picked up on... Picked up some 40k chaos models instead back in November. I must say that painting miniatures was a lot more fun than I remembered. It did not take long to realize that if I wanted to play some games, I needed to paint two armies as I do not know anyone that plays 40k and it's not realistic to visit any local gaming communities at the moment. At the moment, I have painted about 700 points each of chaos marines and orcs. My partner and I bought a battle mat, 44 by 30, in the industrial terrain set from Game Mat EU and have played a couple of games. I must say that your sponsor provides amazing quality for the money spent. My reasoning was that the terrain from the industrial set would be better for beginners as we could ignore almost all rules of terrain, obscuring, light cover, breachable, etc., and just shoot at things that are visible to the shooting models. But now I find it hard to set up a battlefield as the big blocking pieces as the big blocking pieces have a huge impact on the gameplay. Maybe it would have been better to have some ruins or such that I so that I understand you can just walk straight through. If an objective is placed close to a container, it is very difficult for the player on the far side of the container to reach it. Do you have some ideas on how to set the train for smaller games? Do you set up the train before or after deciding on a mission and placing objectives? If placing the objectives last, they may appear in some awkward places, but placing the train last feels almost like cheating. Podcasts like yours have been a great support when hobbying all by myself. In retrospect, I think that listening to other people talk about Warhammer and hobbying is what kept me interested in the game. Hopefully, I can trick some friends to start playing after the pandemic, and if they are not interested in painting up their own factions, I'll just have to build a couple more incursion-sized armies myself. If I could make a wish for future content, I would like to hear some more thoughts on the smaller game sizes. Maybe a certain unit is amazing in a 2,000-point game, but would you still bring it if you play 1,000 or 500 points? Keep up the good work. Best regards from sweden stefan oh, thank you stefan and yeah thank you for the shout out for game mat eu uh game mat does have a great product line as far as terrain and mats and yeah, they do. they're the one they're our favorite ones to order from so uh definitely big fans there as far as like setting up terrain i usually set up terrain before the uh, mission mm-hmm and, and you know that's pretty standard for competitive play. Like the the board will be set up, and then you just have to play the mission the way it's set, the way it you know the way it works. Um, a lot of times, though, the missions in Ninth Edition tend to have fixed uh, fixed locations for uh, the objective markers, so you can kind of like set up your terrain knowing that's where the objectives are going to be regardless of how you play. So try to keep like spots in the table quarters free and like watch where deployment zones are going to be. Like you can kind of plot it out ahead of time, but yeah, I always set up the terrain first and then we just kind of like for casual play, we'll just roll for what mission and then just kind of adjust. Mm -hmm. Uh, It will mean that sometimes objectives can be in places that are hard for an attacker to get to. And that, I would honestly say that's just part of the challenge of the game is, is figuring out how to get, you know, how to like maybe pincer assault an objective or, you know, clear it, thin it out with shooting before you send in an assault or that, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, I would say getting some dedicated ruins wouldn't be a bad, uh, bad move either. Cause uh, yeah, ruin ruins are a big part of the game. Well, like I'm looking at, um, I'm on the gamesmat.eu website right now, and I'm looking at the industrial set that he's referring to. And aside from it all being obviously like fixed, you know, 
terrain that is, you know, is blocking. It's also all one level. Like there's nothing that you can like get up on or have multiple levels. So like the Gothic rune set that, um, games Matt.eu has, and then also GW sells their own versions of it would be a nice inclusion, I think, because it allows you to have a couple of ruins that you can scatter in and it gives you a lot more variety with your terrain. So you can take a piece or two from this, a piece or two from this and just have infinitely more variety, but also it gives you multiple levels to work with. So like if you're playing chaos Marines, like if you have a unit of havocs, being able to put those havocs up on the second floor of a ruin changes completely how they operate. So, you know, it, now that you're more familiar with the game and you've kind of learned the basics, adding in multi-level ruins uh, definitely adds a whole other dimension to the game. So um, I would recommend, I would definitely recommend that. And I think that'll help increase the variety of the games that you play. Yeah. Um, something else I might recommend if you're looking for a quick way to bump up your your scatter train and have a couple of ruins. Uh, the command edition battlefield expansion sets, not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, just some ruins and some more industrial style terrain or just like the sector Imperialis ruin set, which is like 38 bucks us. Uh, I'm not sure what it is in, uh, in, I think it's Swedish Kronor. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, is, you know, that adds in just some quick wall sections or they have some of the, like uh, Battle Zone, Manufactorum, Subcloister, and Storage Fane, which is some of the same stuff from the Command Edition. Uh, they just they have a number of ruin sets you can get, uh, although a lot of them are currently out of stock online. But uh, I would, I would definitely look at adding some ruins uh, now that you've got the basic rules down. Adding things like cover at, and being able to move through and assault through ruins and things like that. I, I think we'll change up your game considerably, but you know, I think I I think pick, starting with like basic just line of sight blocking train to get the basics down. I th- I think that's a perfectly fine fine plan you had, and now Absolutely. It, it, yeah, I think adding some ruins to mix it up, whether you go with Game Mat or GW or some other provider, I would definitely look at moving in that direction. Yeah, and I'm glad we can be of help in like helping you keep your hobbying going by giving you something to listen to while you work. So, so we are, we are glad to be of assistance. And then, yeah, uh, I definitely, once we, once this summer hits and, uh, Richard and I, and I guess Kevin, cause you're going to eventually be, be back in KC. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this summer, hopefully once we're all, uh, vaccinated, uh, we'll be- definitely be getting in some, some games and yeah, I, I really like 40k at like the thousand point level. So we'll definitely be talking about various game sizes and how they differ. Yeah. All right. Next up, Reed Anderson. Reed writes, Dear Preferred Enemies, my primary opponent and I have really enjoyed the Crusade system, especially in quarantine. It's made 40k fun again, and I can't wait to see where it goes. We're still playing incursion missions on the 44 by 30 board in an escalating fashion. I'm playing a Drukari Cabal. He's playing Blood Angels. The Drukari have... Well, they've really been taking advantage of the homunculus dark arts, regrowing my army after every game. Drukari's main benefit is speed, but against several jump assault squads, I have nowhere to run. I typically field a flayed skull archon with gin blade, warriors with blasters, incubi and a venom, mandrakes, and either a disintegrator ravager or a raider with a dark lance. 
If the Shadowfield save holds, the Archon can cut down a squad, but it, it almost never does. The Incubi with the Onslaught strat can blend a squad, but after that, pretty much everything gets shot by bolter-disciplined rifles, multi-melters from attack bikes, or just punched in melee. Also, there's a Librarian who reliably knocks 2d3 mortal wounds off my Archon. Do you find the game balanced at the 44 by 30 board size? Do I need to enlist help from Drezar or the Covens? Do I just need to wait for the upcoming Codex? What would you recommend to make the games closer? Thanks for everything you do, Reed. Okay, first I'll just say, um, I think he described a lot of my experiences playing Drakari, especially against someone who could keep up with me like the um, Blood Angels can. I, I think you're doing what you can. Because, yeah, I've had my melee units, they'll take down something, but then they're standing out in the open and just get shot to pieces. Uh, I don't know that Covens would help, because like you noted on the smaller board, which I do think the smaller board is balanced, um, you could get the jet bikes in there, but their movement can actually outpace the Blood Angels jump guys. But for the most part, you'd then just be playing a hit and run game, which is a totally different style of game than it sounds like you've been playing. I, I hate saying it, but I might wait until the Codex drops because from what we're seeing on Warhammer Communities, they're getting a big bump to like their damage and whatnot. So that should mm-hmm. make them on par with the blood, what the blood angels are throwing at you. Yeah, I would say uh, it's not going to be a long wait. It's the next book. They've already started kind of giving us a feel of what's changing in it. Um, there's also been a few leaks from people who have opened up some of the repackaged kits and seen the, the stat lines on data sheets. So we know that like damage output is going up, number of attacks is going up. Uh, we don't know what other rules, and we especially don't know what crusade rules they're going to have. But yeah, I think Drukari are going to be in a better spot, especially against you know it's it's hard when you are running an eighth edition codex against a ninth edition codex because the ninth edition mm-hmm. codex has been specifically designed for the realities of of the ninth edition battlefield and so yeah drukari are going to suffer a little bit especially with like all space marines having ex- having the extra wound so like all those those assault jump assault squads are now two wounds each instead of one if they had still been one wound each you'd probably be doing much better but now they're twice as hard to kill so you need twice as much damage output. And that's where the codex is probably going to take them. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Dennis. I think uh, this is just kind of a wait and see, but it's not a long wait. Um, as far as the game being balanced at 44 by 30, I would say yes, but it's going to be balanced differently than it is at larger battlefield sizes. What's good is in one case is not necessarily good in the other. Um, I think when Dennis, when you and I played, your banshees took my like in a larger battlefield setting, my Tau would have done much better right. against your your craft world Eldar, but because you had banshees who could get across the field very quickly, get right in my face, deny me Overwatch, you know the one thing that I have as Tau. And I, I mean, and the same goes with Drakari. They're they're quick. They can get across the board very quickly. Uh, if, if he was playing Tau or someone else who was more static. Even just a different Space Marine chapter, he might do better, but I think, especially Jump Blood Angels, they've got the movement to, if he tries to spread out, they can they can counter whatever he does. Yes. So that's just, and on a, like we said, on a smaller board, you can get to all the places rather quickly. So yeah, it would be different on a larger board. There'd be more things spaced out, and so that probably would not come into play as much. 
But I mean, like you said, Rob, it it, it is what it is for the smaller boards. But you, you just kind of got to play with what you've got there, and hopefully, if you go with the blasters and stuff, you roll some high damage, cross fingers. But yeah, I know that none of that's fully fully reliable. Right. So yeah, it's just. It's wait and see what their damage output looks like, and uh, yeah, you're you're playing a game against an army that is just as just as maneuverable and fast as you are, but twice as tough. You're just going to need to wait for the update. And then finally, uh, we have a list review. We haven't had done one of those for a little bit. Uh, this is from Tyler Sarami. And Tyler writes, good morning. I've been listening to you guys for about a year now and really enjoy your content and insight into the game. Thank you, Tyler. I am currently working on an Emperor's Children list, and my goal is to get this list to a competitive level and increase my overall skill in play. This is the current iteration of the list, and so far I feel like it has done very well. I generally score 70-plus points, not including battle-ready, and it seems to dominate the board very well, and I have a high win rate with it. That said, I find that by turn 4 or 5, I usually run out of steam, and that's where I feel I can improve. So his list is he's got an Emperor's Children Battalion, uh, running, and he's running an extra relic. He has a demon prince with wings, with a hellforge sword, and the raiment repulsive, which is a really great item from uh, Psychic Awakening. Uh, a dark apostle with the remnant of the Maraviglia, uh, a, and Mark of Slanesh, of, of course, because we're Emperor's children. Uh, sorcerer with prescience and warp time. Uh, three units of 20 chaos cultists with auto guns. A unit of noise marines, two noise, uh, two blastmasters, seven sonic blasters, and a noise champ with a sonic blaster and a doom siren. Three legends hellbrutes with dual blastmasters, which, and then missile launchers. And that's going to be the first thing I'm going to say is for competitive play, you might not get to use those because they are mm-hmm. the blastmaster hellbrutes are legends. A unit of five chaos spawn with Mark of Slanesh. A unit of warp talons. Uh, two units of Havocs, uh, one with four auto cannons, one with four Reaper chain cannons, and then a Chaos Terex Pattern Termite for uh, doing some deep strike and shenanigans. He said, my secondaries are usually scramblers and engage on all fronts, and I leave the third open as match dependent. I generally deploy with my cultists swarming backfield with my dreadnoughts providing long-range fire support, and with my spawn rushing forward as a distraction. I then walk my demon prince and reapers in from reserves later as a as ambush units and let my noise Marines and sorcerer come up in the drill and scream stuff off the board. I can usually get a charge off with my demon Prince and using excess of violence. He just eats units. Then I either redeploy cultists for my third scrambler or my warp talons get it. If they can't get a viable charge, my auto cannons just sit in the back and play cleanup between my cultists, havocs and spawn about half my army is set up. And if this dies, it soaked up enough DACA that it still made up its points value. So I feel it has a lot of versatility. Do you guys have any advice on my list or strategy? As always, keep up the great content, Tyler. I like the list a lot. Uh, the like I said, mm. the Hellbrutes give me some concern because just because depending on where you're playing, you may not be able to use them. Yeah i I would just go ahead and make the assumption that those aren't going to be available for for competitive play. I in most most events. The, it's been the exception and not the rule that they allow legends in competitive events. Right. Now, the the nice thing about that is if you drop those, that's 330 points that allow you to do different things. So you could you have some options 
I was just kind of while you were going through the list, I added in another unit of 10 noise marines and a rhino, <clears throat> which leaves you with about 15 points left over. Uh, so you can still make some tweaks, but that gives you, I kind of like that because that gives you another unit that's mobile that can take objectives later in the game and you can jump, jump them out and still have 10 noise marines with sonic blasters and blast masters and, and things like that. And, and especially in this edition, troops are really good at being able to hold objectives. You know, it, it gives you another unit that you might be able to push forward late game. But you are definitely going to be losing some firepower compared to the uh, Hellbrutes um, with the, you know, replacing them with just noise marines. Right. So I guess one question that I had when I kind of was looking at the list initially, kind of taking a step back, what what does the Dark Apostle do? Like, I don't really know what he brings to this list. Because, like, unless I'm missing something, like, it doesn't. Dark Apostle is really good for like melee units and combat units, and it sounds like he runs it with he runs the Dark Apostle with the Noise Marines, and that doesn't I don't know maybe I'm missing something. It just doesn't seem like that. Okay, so helps. the Dark Apostle uh, allows friendly Legion units within six inches of the model to use his morale leadership instead of their own. He uh, and he's basically got the same kind of prayers that a uh, like similar to what a chaplain has. Right. But so those for are example, all... mm-hmm. So, like, the Blissful Devotion is, if this prayer is heard, the priest can advance and charge in the turn in this battle round, and then Dark Zealotry, if the prayer is heard, you can reroll hit rolls in the fight phase for attacks made by friendly Legion units within six inches of the priest. So he's probably using the that to buff up possibly the spawn, possibly the uh, if the spawn even have a legion trait, they might not. Yeah, I don't. But. That's a, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I don't know, and it kind of sounded like he said that he was running the he was running them with the noise marines. If I remember correctly, maybe not. Maybe I read that wrong. Uh, let's see the uh, demon prince source. Oh no, he runs the sorcerer it, with the noise marines. Um, right. Yeah, I just like it, it's. The Dark Apostle stands out to me like it's a good unit, but this is mostly a shooty list, so I don't really know if he's the best option. Like, I would think about dropping him for just a Chaos Lord or another Sorcerer. Like, I think either one of those would be good options. And I get part of it may have been that he was trying to fit in. Like, I think the Dark Apostle is the cheapest HQ. Let me double check that. So it may have been, yeah, he's the cheapest HQ, so it may have been that he was just putting him in there to fill out the points, you know, to, to, to make it fit for 2,000. But I would I would suggest if you drop the, the Hellbrutes, drop the Dark Apostle, add in another unit of Noise Marines exactly like you have for the first one, add in a Rhino for them to ride in, and then you have 95 points for that third HQ, and like... I, I would drop in like a Chaos Lord. You could, cause the Chaos Lord is going to give you, you know, if you run him with one of the Noise Marines and actually, let's see here, you could potentially knock that Noise Marine unit down to nine and put a Chaos Lord with them. And then he just makes their shooting better, you know, and give him something like a Combi Plasma or, you know, Plasma Pistol or something. Um, right. And actually, well, actually, no. So I was trying to think if there's a way I get him, if I give him a jump pack and you can include him with the warp talons, but I don't 
know that I have the points for that offhand. I mean, you could take a Doom Siren off one of the Sonic, you know, the Sonic Champion, or the, you know, oh, the Noise the Champion. Such, or, a, such a good weapon. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. So, like, I don't know that that's where I necessarily want to do it. Um, oh, oh, I found the other five points. Uh, if you take the Warp Bolter off of the Demon Prince, which you're never going to use, oh, did you, you could. Did, I, I didn't yeah, he put five did. points for. Yeah, he put five points for a Warp Bolter. So yeah, no, you never, you never need that. He, Right. So you take the five points of the warp bolter off. You drop the 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 three um, uh, hell brutes. You drop the dark apostle. You add in another unit of noise marines, exactly the same as your first. You give them a rhino to ride in, and then you can add in a chaos lord with a jump pack to throw in with your warp talons. And then when they come in, then they're getting re rolls and they're getting you know all of the the buffs from the chaos lord. That's that's an option. There's other options to go. You've got about. 300 to 400 points to work with if you remove those those three units with the Dark Apostle. So uh, you actually do have a ton of flexibility, but you'll need to add in another HQ uh, at least. So it just really kind of gives you some options. But that's that's kind of where my mind went to first because troops and mobility is so important in this edition. Gosh, and I is I mean, I know the, the people really like the Termite. I, yeah, I... I didn't want to remove the termite just because it's a big forge world model. And like, I, I know personally from having big forge world models, I want to use them as much as possible. So fair. <laughs> fair. If you decided to take the termite out and replace it with a rhino or, you know, or something similar that opens up even more points to be able to add things in. Like part of me, like depending on what you want to replace the Helbert, the Helberts with, if you want to get that level of shooting back, you could bring in an option like a uh, uh, oh shoot, I'm blanking on the name right now, Forge Fiend. You could add in a Forge Fiend, which gives you some of that shooting back. You could add in Hellbrutes with Las Cannons, you know, which um, you know, which give you some of that long range shooting back. So it's it kind of depends what you want to replace it with. But I, since he's talking about petering out late game. I think having another mobile tr- uh, troop unit might help kind of combat that. And, and of course, this is all all without having any updates to like chaos terminators and such yet to match what we see with uh, the marine, like the Imperium side, because like a unit of terminators would also be just a brick to drop on. Right. Yeah. No, that's also true. And like, I mean, that unit of noise marines and and the rhino is three hundred. 300 and 310 points. So like you could easily drop those out and add in, you know, and that's a lot of points for terminators. Um, so like I, I just did a, a quick, uh, unit, uh, like I dropped the, the, uh, I dropped the dark apostle. Cause I think we all agree that he doesn't really, he doesn't fit a lot of the things in the list. Yeah. I replaced the hell. I replaced two of the hell brutes with, Hellbrutes with twin las cannon and Hellbrute fists. Although you could, I mean, the Hellbrute fists are effectively free, but then so are missile launchers. So like you could have twin las cannons and missile launchers, and I think you would still have. I think you'd have the same. It'd be a little slightly more expensive, but I think you would have even better shooting. Mm-hmm. And because honestly, they're going to be more consistent than uh, blastmasters. And then a squad of Slanesh terminators and just stock. That's they're only 140 points for five, and that's 1985. 
Now, they'll go up in price once they get the extra wound whenever they get a new codex. But, like, you could mix in... Like, I've got 15 points to play with because I took the the bolter off the Demon Prince. And uh, some... Like, you could splash in, like, swap out some of the weapons for, like, chain, like, power fists or put in a combi melta or, you know, a couple combi weapons if you want. Just, you know, to mix to taste. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, like, you've got another brick unit that can come in late game that's going to be hard to shift. And that might be, uh, that might be another possibility. I mean, there's a number of ways you can go through and try to give this thing a bit more staying power, but, uh, I think with this, you know, I think it's better to have units. They're going to kind of come in later, like the termite terminators, warp talons have a bit more of that than what he's got right now. Cause like those, those chaos units, I mean, that would be the one argument to keeping the dark apostle is that if he's clustered near a couple of them, they're not likely to break as much. Yeah. I mean, so so there, there's an argument yeah. to be made there. Yeah. No, uh, I would also be wary that when they get a new codex out, you may not be able to run more cultists than you'd have regular Marines. Because of what we saw in Death Guard. So be wary of that as well. So you may want to kind of adjust your build anyway to account for that. Right. No, I, I think, especially if you're playing, that's why I kind of like gravitated towards adding noise marines, because I think if you're playing Emperor's Children, you, you want to have, you know, you want to have units of noise marines. So I think having that second one is, at least in my opinion, is, is a good idea. So playing around with, uh, so I dropped one of the 20, 20 man squads of Chaos Cultists, dropped one of the Hell Brutes, kept my, the Terminators I added, and then duplicated that noise marine squad and, just kind of future proofing the list and that comes in at 1965. So again, there's points for playing around with the terminators or changing up weaponry on a couple of things. Yeah. And again, if you, if you decided to, if you needed more points, you could drop the termite for a cheaper transport to save some points and still have. Yeah. Mobility. Cause I mean the, the difference between a termite and a rhino is huge <laughs> points. Wise. Yeah. I mean, a hundred, 190 points for a, for the termite is, that's a lot like you can do a lot with those points (laughs) yeah uh the guns on it are are decent so i mean it's it's a good vehicle and as you said if you've got the forge world model you're gonna want to use the forge world model and you're and that might be also the ability to you're paying for the ability to deep strike with it too like that's the other thing yeah and that might also be like he may have some of the the old sonic dreadnought models and that might be why he's using those so yeah I would I would just caution against relying on those because I I seriously doubt most most events are going to let you take those. Yeah. Just because they are legends and which means they're going to fall increasingly out of balance as the game goes. And they're not you're definitely not going to see an update on them in uh the like there's no update for them in the Imperial Armor book and there's definitely not going to be anything in the in whatever new codex they get. So, I mean, the, the core of the list is not bad. And yeah, it's just dropping the hell brutes is just, it, again, that's just like trying to make sure that you're event legal more than anything. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. That's, here's why he's got the, uh, dark apostle. 
Warp Sight Plea. If this prayer is heard, pick one friendly Legion unit within six inches of the priest, add one to hit rolls for attacks made by ranged weapons by models in that unit. Park him next to the two units of Havocs. There you go. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. So that makes him a much better... And that that also makes him a flexible take, because you can either put him with cultists and bump them up to keep them from running if they're camping on an objective, or you can put him with the... uh, uh, put him with the yeah. uh, Havocs and make them far more reliable. No, that that definitely makes sense. That's why I was like, I I must be missing something because I don't really see the obvious fit for him. But that that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So, but as you said, this is a primarily a shooty list. And the like the cultists are, you know, the, the cultists are kind of tricky to, to use because, I mean, the morale f- rules are general are both better and not for them. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> uh, and they are shooty cultists. So like if somebody gets up in their face, they're going to have a bad time, but his, you know, the way he talks about using scramblers with them, because being able to like tide of traders, a dead unit or a nearly dead unit in would, and then do scrambles, scramblers with them like the next turn is, would not be a bad play, but you know, I think having that in your back pocket for once per game is, is certainly, certainly good. Yeah. No, like I, I like the I like the core of this list. Like I like that it's you know, it, it leans heavily on shooting. I think it's got some really good units. You know, I I would drop the dreadnoughts just for safety's sake, because I think while they are very cool and very useful, I don't think you're gonna be able to play with them competitively. Um I would add in another unit of noise marines and and then kind of figure out where where you go, you know, what happens going forward when uh when we do get a new chaos codex. Right. Because actually I was looking at the, I was I had my Chaos Codex open while I was thumbing through this and I realized this book came out in 2017 but since 2017 like we've gotten a new Abaddon model, we've gotten a new Fabius Bio model, we've gotten new um a new sorcerer model, we've gotten a uh, new Dark Apostle model, we've gotten a new Warpsmith model, we've gotten Disco Lords, we've gotten new Chaos Space Marine models, new Havocs. So yeah, I'm like, "Oh yeah, this book is way overdue for an update." <laughs> The, now the 2019 version, which is the one I have, that is been updated with all that, you know, a lot of that oh, stuff. Okay. So it, it's a, it's, but they, I mean, they updated so many things they had to release a second edition of it. It's like it's right, at that right. level. But uh, yeah, like oof, like they, there's a lot. So like I imagine that chaos will get, especially with with the previews of stuff that Death Guard got. I imagine that chaos will get a codex relatively soon. Right. So hopefully, Tyler, that uh, gives you some ideas. You're not far off from the mark. And also, like, turn four and five, a lot of armies start running out of steam. I mean, that's right. that's not it. And if you're already regularly, if you've already got a high win rate and, uh, you know, 70 plus points, not counting the 10 points for battle ready, um, you're doing pretty well already. So, yeah, it just, the the Hellbrutes are, are the main the main concern, but that frees up a lot of points to be able mm-hmm. to, you know, and if you're getting a lot out of them, like I said, you might, let's see if, if you drop, like, let's say you're still allowed to use them. You can drop just one and that's enough points. That 110 points is enough for you to upgrade one of those units of cultists to a second unit of noise Marines, just like the first. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the exact amount. So that, that would, that would be enough right there to to give your troops a bit more longevity and not lose too much in the trade-off because you'd be basically be trading two blastmasters and a missile launcher for 
two blast masters and a whole bunch of sonic blasters that mm-hmm. also has objective secured so and if you have a list you'd like us to review or a set of questions for us or if you want our advice or opinion on something or just want to give us some feedback uh there's three good ways to write to us first is our email our email addresses are our first names at preferred enemies so rob at kevin at dennis at richard at preferred enemies.com second is facebook we're at facebook.com slash preferred enemies uh, and you can like us there, follow us, uh, and we post like when new episodes are coming out, things we're working on, new interesting news. In fact, I just posted a uh, invitation to join our clan on uh, the 40k combat cards app. So if you want to be part of the preferred enemies family in there, uh, we've got there are a total of 50 slots available, and I think we've already filled up about five or six just today. So uh, come check us out there. And then the third place to reach us is on Twitter. Uh, we are at twitter.com slash preferred enemy singular. Uh, and we take uh, letters and questions and such from all those sources, collate them together and throw them into the hopper. Uh, we had four to get through this time. Uh, we just have an empty hopper now. So if you want to get uh, your letter read on the air, now is the best time. Also, we do have a Patreon if you want to help support the show. Although we would prefer, prefer, eh. we would first prefer that you, uh, Look at uh, charities in your area that can use your assistance, whether they be uh, food funds, uh, rent funds, you know, help out at food banks, donate food, uh, help people who are unemployed or, you know, still suffering because we do still have an ongoing pandemic. Uh, but after that, if you still want to give, uh, you can go to prefer, you can go to patreon.com slash preferred enemies. And it's basically an online tip jar. Uh, we don't hide any of our content behind a paywall. Um, I am considering starting up a Discord for the for the show that would be patrons only. I uh, have not done that yet, so uh, watch this space for uh, updates on that. But if you want to help support us, even if it's just a dollar a month, enough people put in a dollar, it adds up and helps pay for our hosting, helps make sure that we have uh, our recording software available, helps make sure that we have working microphones, and eventually will help us travel again. Once, uh, once we can start traveling into events and attending those. But if you want to help out, we do greatly appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break for sponsor identification. And when we come back, it'll be time to talk about getting started with Start Collecting Sets Imperium Edition. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40k, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. 
Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a game mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main topic, which is getting started with those start collecting boxes for Imperium armies. Uh, now, uh, we will not be discussing much in the way of Space Marines. I think there's one Space Marine box we're going to cover. Most of the Space Marine boxes have been replaced with Combat Patrols, which we've discussed mm-hmm. on the episodes covering those codexes. And we've also already talked about the the like the Recruit Edition, Elite Edition, and Indomitus stuff from uh, one of our, our first episode in this series. So... Uh, this episode, we are going to be focused primarily on Adeptus Mechanicus, Militarum Tempestus, Astra Militarum, I, uh, otherwise known as the Guard, and uh, Vanguard Space Marines, which is the half of the Shadow Spear box uh, that was released as its own get starting set. Um, you'll notice we do not cover Custodes or Sisters of Battle or Grey Knights. Or old marine, like firstborn marines, because none of those have a start collecting box. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sisters, I imagine, when they get their new coat, like all of these are, will get you know combat patrol boxes as they come out. But yeah, there's a number of armies that there's no equivalent right now. Uh, the closest thing we had to sisters was the army launch box, which we mm-hmm. have determined would make a pretty good start, you know, combat patrol box. Uh, but uh, is not uh, available as a start collecting box at this time. I'm well, not and sure Green Knights would get one because they never had one to begin with. Right. Right. I mean, I know that sisters are also going to get the uh, that whatever the whatever the next box is that that uh, they split with. Uh, yeah, piety and pain that they split with Drakari. It's not necessarily going to be a starter box per se because it's uh, retributors. Retributors, yeah, sorry, yeah, retributors, and you know the new HQ, um, but it is and a way to at least get, yeah, and it, you know it's a way to at least get some models in a in a set at a yeah. at a discount. But we don't know when that's coming out yet, so, <laughs> and it won't be a regularly re- available product the way like a combat patrol or a start collecting mm-hmm. box is. So, so yeah, there are a number of factions we can't cover, but uh, we will cover. Uh, these. Now, one thing you're going to note about all of these, I'm just going to get this out here up front, is apart from the Space Marines, these are all going to be low point cost. Yes. Uh, most of what we have talked about in the past have been in the 300 to 400 point range, sometimes almost up to the 500 point range. These are not those. <laughs> these- yeah. When we talk about, like, in the past, we talked about, oh, yeah, if you double up on this, you'll have, a, like, a nearly 1,000-point army. No. In a couple of cases, doubling up on this might get you to 500. <laughs> so these are also, considering what armies we're covering, these are also surprisingly small model count builds. Like, that's that's the thing that kind of stood out for me for, like, 
for example, for guard, like it's 13 models. And like, if you're building a guard army, like that gets you like a 10th of the way to starting. Like it's really like not, not super ideal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they, these are going to be a little bit trickier. And also I think this is, uh, this is where we see the limitations of the start collecting philosophy, which was usually like have an HQ and a troop unit and uh, a vehicle or some other like elite unit or heavy support or something. And what you end up with is not often an optimized starting point for, for an army. Not this way we're seeing like a combat patrol where there's actually some thought put into how does this fit? Like, is this an, a viable start point for, like, a 500-point game? And, of course, when these first started coming out, 500 points wasn't a point level that they geared you. This was literally, like, here's some stuff to start with, but it's not mm-hmm. an end point by any means. So keep that in mind as we go through these. We're going to start with Adeptus Mechanicus because, you know, alphabetical order is fun. And uh, the thing about the Adeptus Mechanicus get starting box is that it actually has a couple of viable builds from it, so much so that, Kevin, mm-hmm. you put together two lists for it. Yeah, so I put – so I always put it together, you know, for the, for the prep for this, how the box looks, where I go through and it's like, okay, what – how do they have it on the box? Because if you're brand new, you're probably going to build this to match what's, you know, on the cover. Um, and when I did that, um, it's it's really – really kind of pathetic like uh, it it gives you far fewer points than even what you get in like the the you know, the split up starter boxes it, it would if you build it that way it'd give you 250 points uh, 253 points and it's a a tech priest engine seer it is a 10 man unit of skatari rangers and then it is the uh scorp uh scorpius dune rider um, so you, it, it actually like makes sense as a build because you get an HQ, one unit of troops, and then a transport. Although you can't put everyone in the transport because capacity, but you know, whatever. So uh, the way that it's on the box, like it does actually make sense from like the building perspective of like, okay, this is a viable way to start. But because it is, one of the older start collecting boxes and everything in the in the uh, uh, Adeptus Mechanicus line is dual kit. Um, you can you do have some flexibility. So I built an alternate version of this as well, where you could build Skatari Vanguards, the Tech Priest engine seers the same. You build them out as Skatari Vanguards, and then you build it as the Scorpec Disintegrator. And that gets you up to over 300 points and gives you a little bit more power level. And I think it's kind of nice because that also gives you, you still can build it that way and get the theme because, you know, the, the Vanguard are not, yeah, the Vanguard are a little bit faster, like a little more mobile. They don't necessarily, they, uh, they, rather than with the, um, uh, Skatari Rangers, like you actually have like a little more like mobility with them. They kind of fit a little bit better foot slogging. And then you basically have a tank that goes with them. So I think either build gives you a lot of flexibility. And this is a case where if you're building out an ad, an ad mech army, 
this would be a good place to start, like picking up one or two of these, because you then have flexibility to have a unit of Rangers, a unit of Vanguard, uh, a transport, a tank, etc. Um, it is only going to help you with the basic, basic level of the army, because you only get three units. You only get an HQ, a troop, and then either a tank or a transport. Um, but so you, you're going to want to build around this with other elite units and, you know, things and heavy units to uh, build the army up. But I do think that it is a solid starting place uh, to, to build out the core troops of your army. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, and it's also not representative of all the troops choices you can take because you also have mm-hmm. cataphrons, which are a very popular ch- troops choice, very hardy, a little bit slower, but lot, you know, tough and lots of gun. But yeah, you could, if you, let's say you doubled this up, you could even theoretically squeeze a uh, battalion out of this because you'd have two HQs. You'd have f- f- 20 models, but those troop units can be in units of five. Mm-hmm. So you could have, for example, um, a unit, two units of five rangers to maybe have like double up on your uh, arquebuses, and then have a ten strong unit of Skatari Vanguard to kind of like camp an objective, and then yeah, uh, maybe maybe you put them or maybe the Vanguard are in a transport, and then you have the uh, the disintegrator running alongside. And mm-hmm. that comes actually that right there. Those two. The, now I have not added any special weapons yet, so it's going to go go a little bit over that. Yeah, that like those two just stock is five hundred points. Like the way I just described it, right. with no no upgrades at all, is five hundred points. When I start adding yeah. like arquebuses and like if you start adding special gear to the uh, to like the various vanguards, like adding in plasma calibers or stuff like that. Yeah, you're gonna it, it'll start getting above five hundred, but that is, you know, that's a relatively cheap battalion. And then from there, you can just add in, you know, whatever you think looks cool in the Mechanicus mm-hmm. line, which there's a lot there to, to work with, especially now that they've added, you know, they added several things with the uh, Engine War Psychic Awakening book. I will say one thing I would upgrade ASAP would be the uh, HQs, because Tech Priest Engine Seers are like your least HQ. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I think this is kind of an interesting, you know, you mentioned like getting two of those, doubling them up, gets you to about 500 points. Comparing these to the combat patrols, they're also clock in at a right around 500 to 600 points, but they're 140 instead of, you know, uh, would be one because they're 95 a piece. 190 so to double 190 up. 190 yeah. to then have suboptimal HQs and like, it's... You can definitely see where when they do redo this for a combat patrol, you give them a different HQ, you give them maybe another unit to replace one of the two vehicles, and like, oh yeah, no, this would then be right in line, 500 points-ish, and like give you some flexibility as the other ones would. So I I think that they're – I think that it's a good – box because it's flexible and it's all core there's not much in here that's going to go to waste um it just it's very underpowered compared to some of the other um some of the other start collecting boxes when you look at it from a power level or from just a sheer points or model perspective like you're not getting nearly as much as you do in some of the other ones 
or did because yeah. and, and I I went ahead and threw together like again quick and dirty and I haven't done like the various uh troop like the like the vanguard upgrades but I can went ahead and compared this to the old the you know, the previous edition of the Mechanicus start collecting box which was the tech priest dominus a unit of uh Skatari vanguard or rangers and an onager dune crawler and that still comes in at about 300 points so that's just kind of the spot that these all land in is yeah. that 250 to 300 some point uh, and that's with like, like if I just, uh, like I've got the neutron laser and the Cognus heavy stubber, which is the most expensive, uh, option for the Onager Dune crawler. And it still only comes in at 135, which makes yeah. it 15 points cheaper than the Scorpius disintegrator. So it's like, uh, there's just not like, and I think this is what, this is what we talked about with some of the limitations. When you get into the smaller armies or I guess larger armies with smaller like point costs, you just wind up not being able to put as much in a $95 box as you can in a $140 box. Space Marines kind of scale well from that perspective. Like a lot of the start collecting boxes, you still got, you know, two units, three units of Space Marines. But in this, like three units of Skatari just doesn't hold the same oomph as three units of Space Marines. And like, especially when we get and we compare it to the Vanguard Space Marine box, like you get way more models, way more points, way more power. Um, for the same price. So it's like, ugh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to see what they do when they expand it out a little bit, because I think they can have some flexibility to add more into it. Yeah. Um, honestly, as far as like where to go from there, cause we usually like when we do these, we talk about like trying to mm-hmm. get up to like a thousand points, obviously like doubling this up is, you know, is one way to go. And whether you want to do dual disintegrators or a score, you know, a dune, like a, a that a dune rider and a disintegrator or dual dune riders if you want to go like really transport heavy from there like i said i would definitely look at upgrading uh hqs and your best option unless you're going to go mars specifically which mars is not a bad choice right uh is uh, a tech priest dominus if you're going mars you might consider belisarius call who will definitely get your point total up quickly Right. Because he's 200. I would look at putting Cataphrons in to pad out your troops. Um, from there, it really comes down to what you want. Um, if you like Assault, um, Infiltrators, Rust Stalkers, and Electro Priests are all good choices. If you want to go fast, uh, the Cerberus, like Raiders or Sulfur Hounds are good. Yep. Uh, Iron Striders, uh, Iron Strider Balistari or Dragoons can both be good, whether you want to go shooty or more salty. Um, Castellans, you can never go wrong with. Right. Um, I mean, Castellans are fun. I mean, yeah. With 500 points, you know, roughly to play with, if you double this up, heck, you could even add in an Imperial Knight, you know, and just kind of add in like a big unit of, you know, to go shooting if you wanted to. So, uh, Oh yeah. You do have a lot of flexibility with, with ad mech and there's a lot of different ways to be able to take it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it just kind of depends on if you want to do more assault, more shooty, how fast you want to go. Cause there's options. And this is one of the things that I really like about what they've done with ad mech over the last, you know, over the last year, especially with uh, engine war is they've added in, a lot of things that fully flesh them out as an army. And now you have a bunch of different viable options. 
uh, for different play styles. And I, you know, I hope that they include like maybe a unit of like the Sulphur Hounds or something in that, that next combat patrol box, because I think that would pair really well with the troops and like a transport that they've given so far. So, okay. So you double, let's say you doubled up on this and then you bought a box of Catafron destroyers and yeah, just, just the Catafrons because it makes both kinds. Uh, mm-hmm. Catafron destroyers and then a box of Castellans. And you make one of your Scorpiuses a disintegrator, make the other one a Dune Rider, give the Castellans the dual, like the, like all three heavy phosphor blasters, and then give the, uh, Catafron destroyers phosphor blasters and plasma culverins. That comes in at 979 points. That gives you points to kind of play around with and how you have your, like your Vanguard alphas equipped and such. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got the data smith in there. Um, you might also look at maybe trimming points on something and uh, upgrading one of the HQs from an engine seer to either a manipulus or a dominus, depending on how many, how, you know, whether you can get them. I think they're both out of stock right now. But uh, yeah. that gets you to 979 points, and that's going to look a lot more like what you see at a thousand points, where you've yeah. got. Yeah, you've got like three troop units. Are you running this as a, you can actually run this as a battalion. Um, so, cause you've got two HQs, three troops. Uh, the Castellans are a really good heavy support choice. The Scorpius Disintegrator is solid. The Dune Rider lets you move one of those troop units up. Um, that's not a bad thousand point if you want to stick with just Mechanicus. Yeah. And again, this is just one possible build. If you decide you want faster stuff, that just changes up what you buy. Uh, maybe you want to go with Skitari Rangers and uh, the Cerberus, like the Sulphur Hounds or the or the Cerberus Raiders, which are basically Rangers on on horses. And maybe you want to have like some Iron Striders to you know be a very fast, mobile, sneaky Mechanicus list. Yeah, these are all things you can do. So, uh, but yeah, doubling up on this one is not a bad start. But yeah, it it does show that. Anytime you get to an army that uses, you know, models where you tend to need them in bulk, it's going to get pricey and also yeah. does like, like we said, shows the kind of the weakness of the start collecting line. But speaking of the weakness of the start collecting line, <laughs> let's move forward in our alphabet to Astra Militarum, which if it was Imperial Guard would still come before M for Militarum for Bestus. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, this one is rough. Uh, yeah. This one. This one comes in. It's one of the least expensive at ninety. I will say that's five bucks cheaper than some of the others we talk about. Yeah, I mean, and you are you are getting things in here that you are absolutely going to need a bunch of if you're playing guard because it is a ten man infantry squad with you know option all the full options so the ability to add heavy weapons and things like that. A commissar and then a Lehman Russ. So well, at least has a tank. Yeah, like it's this is one where like if I was <laughs> this is this is a rarity. If I was starting an Imperial Guard army, I would probably buy three of these. <laughs> because everything in here other than like the commissar is stuff you're gonna want to have multiples of. Like just you know, Lehman Russes are really good. You need as many troops as you can you know as you can get so like yeah (laughs) you can kind of get this out as as make the 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 infantry unit as cheap or as you know upgraded as you want because it's a full kit 
Yeah, I mean, it's a really solid, like, core for what you're going to get for an ad mech, uh, not ad mech, um, uh, Imperial Guard <laughs> Army. But it's also, like, only just the core. You are going to need to add a lot to this to, like, pump it up into a full army. <laughs> yeah. Let's also point out one critical, critical flaw with this particular build, which honestly comes in at, it still comes in at better points, 318 because of that Lehman Russ. Mm-hmm. But let's also point out the fact that the, the army as pictured on the box and in the illustration is not legal. Not yeah. even as a patrol because I- they give you one heavy weapons team because of what heaven, as far as I know, a heavy weapons team comes in a, comes in the box. Uh, yeah, yeah, it comes in the box with a uh, with a, like infantry just a Cadian squad, yeah. infantry squad. Yeah, but the problem is the reason they do that is you're supposed to swap out two guys for the heavy weapons team. Instead, they have you building all ten like on foot Cadians and then also building the heavy weapons team, which you could run, but heavy weapons teams have to come in groups of three bases, not one. Yeah, and so you can't. Which is why, as you said, Kevin, you'd have to buy three of these. Yeah, because like if you if you tripled this one up, you would have a commissar that at least one commissar that you wouldn't be able to use because you couldn't get three HQ HQ units in. But then you have in in a battalion you can. It's two to three. No, I guess you could. Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you could. So you could use all three commissars. I don't know that you would necessarily want to, but. You'd have three units of infantry, enough heavy weapons teams to make a heavy weapons squad, and then enough to make a, you know, a unit or you know, three a three tank unit of Lehman Russes. So like, it's not bad to triple it up, but like, the problem is again because of how limited models are, and because the models in this army are so cheap, just getting one of these doesn't really do much for you because you need so much else. So like I could see you like tripling down on this or buying this and pairing it with the 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 military to pestis one or you know kind of pairing something else to 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 kind of add in and and build it up. But yeah, it's even if you tripled it up, it's you know and you want kind of bare bones, like you're still only looking at less than a thousand points. Um and that's that's a lot for, you know, what, uh, $280? Like, I don't know. That's, this is, this is why we don't play guard. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, now, that's, okay. that's the big reason why we don't play guard because this is just so expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you tripled it up and then made the, uh, made the, uh, Tank as is pictured with uh, heavy heavy bolter sponsons on just a standard Lehman Rust battle tank. Three of those, and let's say three heavy weapons teams, like you could say auto cannons. It you know it doesn't really matter. Like last cannons are five points more each. And then if you did all the infantry squads with like eight las guns, a flamer, and then sergeant, like then however you have him equipped, it doesn't really matter. And then with three Lord Commissars, yeah, that comes in at 920 points. You're It's close to 1,000, and yeah. it's viable. It's not terrible, I, but it's it's an expensive way to go. I wouldn't feel good about running that 1,000-point army. Put it that way. 
I would I would feel okay with that being 925 points of a 2,000-point army, but I don't think I would run that as just a 1,000 points by itself, just because you're severely lacking in a lot of things. Now, if you bought ju- – okay, I'm just going to put together – because there's one other product that is available on their web store. It is not technically a start collecting product, but it is available – and that is the Acadian Defense Force. Um, this is actually a better starting point because this is instead of the, the Lord Commissars, you get instead of Lord Commissar, you get an actual company command squad. You get two squads of infantry. You get three heavy weapons teams. You get a Lehman Rust tank and you get a Chimera for transport. Yeah, <laughs> this is a better starting point. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I missed this when I was looking on the website. <laughs> now, I'm not sure. I need to see how company command squads are run. If they're, I guess they're, okay, they're elites. Yeah, they're elites that technically don't so it's take a, up a spot. A I think, slot, yeah. A, yeah. But I'm looking at, like, if if you doubled this up. Okay, so if instead you, you took one start collecting box and then bought the company or the, the Cadian Defense Force... Um, depending, like, I don't have the command squad. Let's see, how do they have the command squad? They've got a flamer, a medic, they've got voxcasters. Um, yeah, if you built that all out, that you know, comes to 795 if built as, as pictured. Yeah, and the nice thing with it is that you also don't necessarily have to build it out this way because it is going to be the whole, you know, it is going to be the full spruce for all of this. Right. So you're going to have a, a lot more options. So you, yeah, so you do have a bunch of flexibility with it. Uh but like I'm just looking at looking at this from a, a just a point standard and army construction standard though. I I think getting these two boxes together it's only a little bit more expensive than tripling yeah. up. And then from there you only have to add like maybe one kit and maybe that yeah. one kit is like Actually, let's see. The way I've got it kitted out, 810 points, one more Lehman Rust battle tank uh, equipped as the others are with heavy bolter sponsons is gets you to an even thousand. Nice. So Lehman Rust tanks are awesome. And and keep in mind, the Lehman Rust kit, the base Lehman Rust battle tank kit actually makes like three, three or four of the different varieties. So you've got mm-hmm. more flexibility in there to build them and. Uh, they all split off into their own units once you deploy them, so it's not like you have to run them all as a wedge together. But this gives you, like, doing it this way gives you, you know, gives you a Lord Commissar, which is still cool to have. You get a company commander and a command squad, uh, which, if you trick it out like the way they have in the book, gives you kind of a little bit of everything. Oh, actually, you know, if you add Vox casters to everybody, you'll actually end up being over on points a little yeah. bit. But you can work around that. Yeah, I mean, it's all... There's a lot of places you can tweak points in here, like for, cause like if you look at the Cadian Defense Force, they have like one last cannon and two missile and two, uh, missile launchers. Yeah. You know, so like you could switch those out to auto cannons or heavy bolters and that would save you points. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of places to be able to kind of tweak and save points, you know, to adjust that dial up and down to get it to a thousand points. Mm hmm. But I think that's probably the best way cause it's going to, you know, you're going to get, you know, 30 guys on foot. You've got a trio of tanks, which guard, I mean, 
tanks are really good for guard. You get a transport, which helps with some of the mobility issues that you might otherwise have with big blobs of troops. You get some heavy weapons. I mean, you've, it's, it's probably the closest thing you have right now to building out a guard army using just kind of these pre-constructed start kits. Yeah. And while the Cadian Defense Force isn't technically one, and who knows how long it would actually be available, it's definitely something you can, like, I, I would, I would pick it up if I was going to get into guard. I think that in a start collecting box is a really good starting point and actually gets you what you need. And the price is, it's, well, Acadian Defense Force is 185 so it's $5 more than buying two start collecting yeah. boxes. And it yeah, actually and gives you, you something to buy. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, because you get a fourth heavy weapons team from the uh, start collecting box, you could add, or no, I guess it is only three. You can only have three in a heavy weapons team. Never yep. mind. Okay. So you're going to end up with one extra, which you could drop into one of those infantry squads if you want. I mean, you, you've still got more flex, you've got flexibility to build with. And that's, that's good to have. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's as, as frustrating as the start collecting box is. There are ways to work with it, but it requires – I don't think doubling or even tripling up on it is the right choice when, like, you want – kind of like with the Mechanicus one, you don't want, like, two or three Engine Seers. You don't necessarily want mm -hmm. two or three Lords Lords Commissar. Yeah. You want uh, – like, you want a Company Command Squad because that's also going to help – like, your order system is going to work better with that. Because if I remember right, Commissars don't technically get orders unless you upgrade them. That so, is true. Yeah. Yeah. So this get lets you – get the most out of how your guard army is supposed to play. And then like, yes, they're all pictured as Cadian, but run them as whatever. Um, if you want to change the heads, find some conversion heads. There's plenty of people that sell them um, mm -hmm. like Victoria miniatures, Max minis, et cetera. You know, they, they all sell like conversion heads for guard. So, uh, so yeah, uh, even though we don't play guard and this is one of the reasons why I think this was a way to get you to a viable guard army with just these, these kinds of products. Uh, but uh, that then takes us to Militarum Tempestus, which is also technically an Imperial guard army. And this is a very different starting box. Yeah. The one you um, could run alongside <laughs> the Astro Militarum yeah. one because, because they are compatible, yeah, they are the same faction. Yeah, and I think that this one actually like does give you some interesting, you know, rather than rather than potentially tripling up or you know doubling up on the 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 Astra Militarum one, going with this one gives you a different flavor because it does give you a command squad. It does give you you know a uh, a unit of Tempestus which have vastly different weapons. So I went through and kitted it out just the way that they have it on the box, which is. Up front, not the way I would do it because some of the weapon options just don't make sense. But um, it gives you a um, a Lord Commissar as your HQ. <clears throat> Excuse me, and then you have uh, a also have a Tempestor Prime um, as another HQ. Then you have a unit of Scions, five man units of, of Scions, and then a Tempestus Command Squad. Uh, and then you get a Torox, uh, which I believe they, you know, kitted out as a Torox Prime. So you have two HQs, a command squad, a regular squad, and then, you know, a transport. 
And you do have some flexibility within this because you could easily kit the command squad out as just more scions. Um, right. You know, and, and build them out a couple of different ways. The, the Tempesta scions kit, which is what you get in here. You're like, you get the whole sprue and everything is one of the best kits that GW makes because the armor looks cool. The guys themselves look cool and you just get so many special weapons. Um, oh yeah. Like it, it is. Bang for your buck, it is one of the best sprues that they make. So in in regards to like just that, like this is worth this is worth picking up, you know, because the 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 squad itself is, you know, 40 bucks or whatever, and then the the Torox is gonna be another, you know, 40, 50 bucks. So right there, you're basically you've already covered what you're getting in this box. Mm-hmm. Um and this is this is a case because Tempestus, you know, are such a small faction quote unquote i don't know how they would get this one up to a combat patrol because they don't really have a lot of other options like this is basically every unit they have <laughs> you know i i just so i don't know that they really need anything bigger than this box to be able to get what you want out of it yeah i mean you're talking about adding more body i mean you could double up on it because again more scions is never a bad thing another tarox is not bad about the only thing you could add to this would be like a valkyrie like add a flyer to it because you know it is part of you know because they you know they drop shoot out so that's that's definitely something you could add on um but yeah it's like if you if you uh doubled up on this like I would then just you'd end up with two Lord Commissars. You could choose not to run one of them. Mm-hmm. One, and if you were doubling up on it, I would definitely at that point recommend that instead of building that second squad as you know as oh, uh, you, a command squad, you you would no, do you build it them as, all as scions. You build them, yeah, all you as, build them all as scions, scions, and then you basically could have you know two larger units. Like that's so yeah, it, it you would have some flexibility there to be able to kit it out. Yeah. If you double up on it, though, and because doubling up on it doesn't give you the command squad, like you wouldn't do it like the command squad and you wouldn't do two command squads and two Tempestor Primes. It does still only come to like 560 points, even if Mm -hmm. you added a Valkyrie to that to kind of pad out, even if you give it the heavy bolter option, it's that still only gets you to 710. And I think... This is where you hit, like, as you said, you kind of hit the limits of what this army can do. Yeah. Uh, well, because, like, tem- you know, military Tempestus are not meant to be run as their own full faction. Like, they're meant to supplement and be, you know, extra bodies for a Space Marine Force or, you know, uh, shock troopers for uh, an Astra Militarum uh, army. Or, you know, this would be one where... If you doubled this up, then you add in an Inquisitor or, you know, an, assa- an assassin or two, and you kind of just run a, you know, an Agents of the Imperium style attack force that gets you, you know, a, some elite, um, you know, and you kind of go for that, that elite, uh, you know, Inquisitor rogue trader kind of feel rather than it being more of like a guard army. Um, right. So I think there's some really cool things you could do, but you are very limited. Like you, it would be incredibly difficult to build this out to a full 2000 point army that would be even remotely competitive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be, it would be quite difficult. Although I'm looking at what happens. This is another one where if you combined it with like with the Cadian Defense Force, again, mm-hmm. it works out quite nicely. It's not worth quite as many points. 
Like if you combine them together, it is well. Let's see. I've actually added Lehman Russ. Well, and I and I I kind of think from the perspective of building like more of a a, a unique Astra Militarum force. Like I think this actually pairs really well with that Cadian Defense Force. Maybe even better than the other Start Collecting box because these guys will serve a different role. Like these will be your heavy firepower, your you know your your shock troops. And they're gonna they're gonna serve a different purpose than those Cadian squads that you have for those heavy weapon squads. Um, right. They're they're meant, gonna be meant to get closer and you know do short range firepower. Um, and again, in that case, having two command squads is completely viable because you know they're gonna be operating differently, so they would want their own command squad. Um, so I I think in a lot of ways this actually gives you more variety and would probably be a better army build than just adding the other. Uh, Astra Militarum start collecting box to the Cadian Defense Force. Agreed. Um, let's see. I'm just kind of trying to build it out points-wise, see where we come out if we combine those two. So if you combine the Cadian Defense Force with the uh, a- the Militarum Tempestus start collecting kit, built as pictured, like built entirely as pictured on the website, they come in at 900 points on the dot. Finding another hundred points to fit in of guard anything is not hard. Right. <laughs> and you have three unique HQs because you get a company commander, a Tempester Prime, and a Lord Commissar. You have two command squads, one for your sci- one for your Tempestus, one for your regular infantry. But again, you can fit in like at that point you buy one kit to like fit. Yeah, buy one fit- Lehman Russ and you've and you've grounded it out. Or, hell, buy one Valkyrie for your yeah. Tempest. Yeah, it's like whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, find the one, the 150 points or so that you want to build and you can make it work. And theoretically, um, you would need actually one more infantry squad to allow you to do a battalion of uh, normal guard and then make like a patrol or, yeah, yeah, do a patrol of the Tempestus because they do have different regimental rules. Mm-hmm. So you would want to build them as separate detachments, but you could also do two patrols and that's fine as well. Yeah. So, um, so that's definitely a, a model, an option you go with. And yeah, I do think you, you end up with a more well-rounded list, uh, with a little bit better firepower and yeah, you could easily find, yeah, you can easily find something to fill in the extra points in, in a guard list. And it's really, you know, fill into taste, like find out what, what you like. I mean, you can even go start hunting in uh, like forge world stuff if you want to get more exotic, but, um, but yeah, these, the Cadian defense force is the glue that makes these all stick together and work. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, which makes me wonder if something like the Cadian defense force, which on its own is close to 500 points. Like if I, if I take out the, parts that are Militarum Tempestus from this. 540 points. Honestly, I think that I think that right there is going to be really close to what a combat patrol is going to look like for guard. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and the model count on that is 1, let's see, 21, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. That puts it around the same place as the uh, Death Guard one. Uh, yeah. And, you know, taking into account that guardsmen are cheap as chips. So, you know, point wise. So, I mean, honestly, I would, 
if you want to play guard, skip the star collecting boxes and buy the Cadian Defense Force. Yeah. And if you don't want to play Cadian, then... Uh, I mean, just uh, change head swaps. Just no, just yeah. do head swaps. <laughs> I mean, the well, only thing that makes yeah. the Cadian Defense is it that's the sculpt they have for their infantry yeah. is Cadian. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, unless you want to play Catachan, I don't... Let's see. There's, I don't know if they... I don't know that they have any of the Catachan stuff still in, in stock right now, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, no, got, they just have... They have yeah. the Cadian Defense Force, and that's it. I mean, they have... Okay, so you can get... You can order the Catachan Command Squad... Um, and I think huh. they do have catechins you can order. You can also do things like, I want to say the Lehman Rust Kit can even make a tank commander. Yes. I yeah. Think you should, I think you can. Uh, and if not, I know that the tank commander like, they have option tank is commander like Pask as somebody. Yeah. I, I, I think it comes in there, but even if it doesn't, I believe you can buy the tank commander separate. So let's see that they did have a Cadian or a Catachin defense force, but it's currently uh, unavailable. It is the exact same stuff just with Catachin models, except instead of Cadian models. And it's models. $60 more. It, well, it's also old models and kind of ugly. Right. But like, yeah, but also $60, but $60 more more. exactly the same. Like, ugh, it's not great. <laughs> They really need to do some new guard models. Like, I... Ugh. <laughs> there needs to be something other. Like, I don't mind the Cadian bodies, but, you know, and, and those, but, like, they really need to release some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just Tank Commander Pass that is uh, the, the separate model. Well, the thing is, with, like, heads and stuff that you're, you're going to have from, like, your company command squad and such, let's see, looking yeah, at you the sprue, I, I think you could... You could kit bash a tank commander pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because yeah, so, you get a body that stands in that you know that that could stand in the turret. Yeah, and you just do a head swap. So yeah, so if if you want to do, uh, you know, if you want to have that tank be a tank commander, or and maybe you do decide, you know, you decide to double up on the uh, the, or you decide to go with like the start collecting box for for regular guard and have an extra tank. I mean. You do get a lot of flexibility. That's one place where maybe tripling up, if that, if you want to go tank heavy, tripling up on the start mm -hmm. collecting box isn't the worst idea. Yeah. Because a tank commander is a viable HQ choice. So, you know, if that's the flavor you want to go with. And the Lehman Rust kit does make the battle tank, the eradicator, the exterminator, or the vanquisher. So you've got like that. In so you've got a lot of gun options there mm -hmm. that you can go with. So, Honestly, it's that's I mean, that's the best part of the start collecting box, honestly, is the tank. So, yeah. All right. And that takes us, I believe, to our last option, which is Vanguard Space Marines. Um, this one is the will get you the best bang for your buck on points. Mm hmm. But and uh, on model it count. is. <laughs> yeah. And on model count, uh, it's also like the. Well, I think they they sell some of the uh, Vanguard Primaris uh, like characters separately now, I believe. So yeah, one, the once upon a time it was the only place to get some of the stuff. Yeah the the Vanguard Lieutenant that you get in here is now available uh, separately. It's the Monopose, so it's it's the Shadow Spear models. So they're all Monopose. So you get a Lieutenant in Phobos armor. 
you get uh, an infiltrator inf- uh, an infiltrator squad, uh, which you don't have the ability to kit out differently. So it's ten infiltrators, which I broke up into two five man squads, and then uh, you get a suppressor squad and an eliminator squad. Again, all monopose. The eliminators have their own kit now. Do the suppressors have their own kit now, or are those? Is this the only way to get suppressors? Yeah, this is the only way to get the suppressors. The yeah, suppressor eliminators squad. are available separately, and as are infiltrators. But yeah, yeah. the uh, your jump auto cannons are. This is the only way to get them. Yeah, so a little bit odd, but um, uh, so unlike the Chaos Marine one that we talked about out of this, which has which I feel is a little more limited, even though you do get like more points out of it technically. This is one that if you're going to play Vanguard Marines, I could certainly see doubling up on because infiltrators are really good. You know, if you want to run them as infiltrators, like having either, you know, two 10 man squads or four, you know, five man squads is really good because of their ability to, you know, do use concealed positions and, you know, things like that and kind of their, their mobility um, and their deployment flexibility. Suppressors are a pretty good squad, you know, and like more auto cannons is good. And then eliminators are, are really good. So having, you know, six of those is, is very valuable. You probably would want to pick up another HQ because the Lieutenant is a very limited HQ. So like they have the Vanguard, um, not sorcerer, uh, librarian. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they also have like a captain in Phobos armor, which you could probably also very easily, you know, kit bash the lieutenant to make him into a captain. But, um, yeah, like this is good. You know, I feel this is more flexible than the chaos version, but I, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily double it just because I don't know that I would want to go that hard into Vanguard Marines. But, you know, if you're trying to build a Vanguard force, you know, a, a pure Vanguard force, doubling it up wouldn't be bad. Right. You do have a lot of options now that the combat patrols are out so that you could, if you wanted to buy this and then mix in one of the other combat patrols, you know, which give you the option to add in, you know, fair, like Reavers or uh, Intercessors, uh, Eradicators, you know, the the, the Dreadnoughts, Redemptor Dreadnoughts. So you, you do have some flexibility uh, and then all of those come with captains as well, that you could kind of mix this in and have a vanguard portion of your Space Marine Army and then, you know, whatever, whatever comes in the command squad, you know, the combat patrol that you, that you pick, you know, to kind of round it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to go a little bit over on points, but you can find, like, places to trim because it's like, yeah, you're 530 for the vanguard Marines. And we say, as pictured, they have to be their monopose. Right. Uh, yeah. These are, so, yeah, these are limited, but <laughs> right. But, uh, like if you combined it with the dark angels, I mean, that's only, you know, the dark angels one as pictured is, is 500 on the dot. So like, if you want to go green wing with some van- Vanguard, uh, that'd be 1030. You can probably find, you know, and you know, depending on like, if you're playing casually, it's probably not that big a deal. If you're playing competitively, you probably, well, if you're playing competitively, you don't want to play competitively with start collecting boxes. We'll just put that out there right now. If we haven't been clear about that, but for uh, (laughs) jumpstarting your collection. Yeah, this is one I I think I'm with you. This is not something I would double up on, but I would put in as an add on. And -hmm. you could also choose like, oh, hey, I don't want to go over on points. I'm not going to run the lieutenant. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm going to run, like, I'll run the, uh, the, 
I'll run the Blood Angels side and have some infiltrators, suppressors, and eliminators, but I'm not going to run the lieutenant. And uh, that, I mean, the lieutenant himself is like 80 points. That would be enough to to drop you under. Yeah. Get you to drop you under a thousand points for sure. I think so. Yeah. That's just a place where you can go with it. I like this one because it is, you know, Vanguard Marines. This feels a lot kind of like the Militarum Tempestus one, where this feels like a good add-in, where you can kind of flavor your Space Marine Army to taste by adding these in and giving you, you know, some scout troops, some snipers, uh, you know, auto cannons, which are always good. So, like, you've you provide some flexibility to your existing army, you know, to kind of to kind of fill it out. And again, you know, this works with. You know, these, these models are now available to any of the forces. So if you're playing Space Wolves or Death Watch, you know, you could easily make these work for that. You know, just do shoulder pad swaps or whatever, and boom, now you've got, you know, a, a Death Watch uh, army that has, you know, some sneaky ability and then you're, you know, the rest of it. So I think there's a lot of options here, and I think this is a pretty solid box to pick up. It's a good deal. If you don't mind the fact that they're monopose and you can't do anything else with them. Um, if you want to buy a kit of infiltrators, um, you know, and, and customize them and, and do some swaps, then just buy that, buy that box because that box is also really good because the infiltrator squad also makes incursors. So like you, you would have, you have some flexibility if you buy the, uh, just the infiltrator box by itself. But if you're wanting to run these as infiltrators, like, this is a pretty solid box to get. So, okay, so I I took the if you take this start collecting box, you combine it with the Blood Angels combat patrol box, you drop the lieutenant for points purposes, and you run everything else which gives you a 5-man intercessor squad, a 10-man infiltrator squad, a 5-man incursor squad, a squad of aggressors, and I think they picture the aggressors with... Okay, so they've got the Flamestorm Gauntlets, which are 15 points cheaper total. You could run them as Bolt Storms, and they'd be, like, a little bit more expensive. But as with Flamestorm mm-hmm. Gauntlets, the Suppressor Squad, the Eliminator Squad, and then the Impulsor with, like, the Missile Array, that's 980 points. And that still yeah. falls within a patrol. Because I think you can have three troops in a patrol. Yeah. So, uh, and that's a thousand points. So, or, you know, just shy of a thousand points. You've got room to give, you know, give a couple people upgrades or change. Like if you decide, oh, yeah, I like the, I want the, uh, auto bolt storm gauntlets instead of the flame storm. Oh, there's, there's 15 points. And now you're at 995. So yeah, you, this does make a really good, like you said, with Tempet, like with the military Tempestus, this is a really good combo starter. And like, there's a perfect example of it. Well, and, 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 as another example, like you, flip side, you add this with the Combat Patrol Space Wolves. You've got a unit of Reavers. You've got a ca- uh, a captain, a ten man Intercessor squad, and then the Invictus Tactical Warsuit. So you've got oh, the Invictus uh, is a really good companion to this. Yeah, yeah. So like you've got another few things that can scout. You're kind of leaning into that, but you also have you know your your a full ten man squad of regular Intercessors to go with it. You lose the aggressors, but like again, it's like which would you rather have? Would you rather have the aggressors or the tactical war suit. And again, that's the really nice thing about the combat patrols, the way they've all been designed. They all have one or two unique things that is unique to that faction. 
but usable to everybody else. So like you could pick up this and then whatever combat patrol that you want to pair it with the best and then go from there. So I think you can make it work with any of the any of the four uh, combat patrols that are out so far. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, with that one, and I don't have the points on the captain quite yet, but he's going to be pretty close. Yeah, with the lieutenant and Phobos armor, like you could just combine those two as pictured, and that's 960 points, which gives you a few points on the Primaris captain to play around with the war gear to get him to match the Space Wolf version. And yeah, the Invictor Warsuit doesn't cost, like, the weapon options don't cost more one way or the other. Yeah, that's 960 points. So again, perfect combo. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think this is one that might actually stay kind of like the Militarum Tempestus as a start collecting box. You might see this one stick around, um, and not get upgraded to a combat patrol. And I think that's probably a good place for it because if you're wanting to splash in Vanguard Marines, this is the best way. Yeah, I, I would think this will get, this would probably get retired probably once, like once we get standalone suppressors, mm-hmm. which I'm surprised we still don't have those as a separate option. Like that's the right. One. Yeah. I, I wasn't even sure at first because I was like, oh, they've got to be a separate kit, but they're, they're not. <laughs> nope. And they're a pretty decent unit. So yeah. Yeah. That surprises me. Uh, but yeah, that gets us through the rest of the Imperium start collecting boxes. Uh, next up, we'll have um, will be Xenos, and that might be our next episode because it doesn't look like we're getting any codexes. Uh, the Sunday update indicates that they are kind of taking a break from releases to let everything catch up. <laughs> so, uh, you mean we're and- not dedicating next episode to Kill Team Pariah? Oh, Team Pariah uh, no, 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 we are not. <laughs> no, we are not. I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> uh, or or a deep dive into the into the theoretical mechanics of a of a forty uh, 40k commander deck. <laughs> uh, now you're just teasing me. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You, now you are just poking the bear. And not that I am a bear. I am, but uh, <laughs> you're not a, a two two for two. No, I am not a two two. I am not a two two for two. In a two two. Ah. <sighs> But that takes us over to hobby progress and the morale phase. Hobby progress, it's actually been warm enough in the garage to get back to painting. So I've been trying to finish up the models that have been sitting on my table for the last two weeks because it was just, it was too cold to paint without my fingers starting to hurt. So (laughs) I can actually get, I'm actually getting close to finishing up the first five Sisters of Slaughter. And then uh, I haven't really built anything recently either. I've been trying to decide what the next thing I want to do is other than like consolidating uh, like boxes down and like I bought some giant Ziploc bags to put sprues in so that like boxes of models don't take up huge boxes. I can just collapse them down into bags and, and save myself a little bit of space, but that's been about it for me. I can't believe you have no hobby, like very little hobby progress. Um, I have done nothing. <laughs> I have done absolutely nothing. Uh, I drove drove across the country past weekend, and then this week was review week at work. So, like yesterday was the first time in like three or four weeks that I'm like, oh, I have nothing to do today. So I sat on the couch and rewatched WandaVision. Like that's it. That's all I did yesterday, and uh, I was happy. It was a good day. <laughs> you regret nothing. I regret nothing. <laughs> Well, let's see. I have now 
fallen down the rabbit hole, which I had hinted that that I was going to. Um, I still don't know when Piety and Pain is coming out, um, but I have decided I am going to pick that up, and thus started picking up Sisters of Battle figures. Um, so I've got a squad of Zephyrin put together, two squads of um, Seraphim put together, some working on Celestine, some Gemini, and then I'll have just the normal Battle Sister squads to do, and then wait until... The box set comes out, and also wait until it gets not frozen in Texas, which sounds funny. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's actually not frozen anymore, but it's been rainy and damp and not good priming weather. So we're going to work on getting all these put together, then primed, and then back to painting. And it's kind of different that I'm actually saying, I'm going to work on 40K and not Underworlds, because I've been working on Underworlds projects for like past two months. For me, I started putting together um, some Atlan Jackals. I still got a ways to go on them. Just got a couple started, um, and that's really all I've done. And then I have a, a set of flayed ones set aside for you, sir, whenever uh, we yes. get together. Ooh. And they are a surprising... Well, I shouldn't say pr- surprisingly. It shouldn't be surprising, but they are a spindly lot of tiny bits. Yeah, so I bet. Have fun. <laughs> the, the 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 fine cast and the metal ones have also been spindly so <laughs> i mean yeah it's probably no it, it's they're probably better than the fine cast ones oh yeah the fine cast ones were not good i i have a set of fine cast blade ones but they're i prefer the metal ones at this point and then i i this is this is actually why i will probably pick up pariah nexus um, because I am slightly interested in playing Kill Team, and I can use all of the models, so I'll be the one that kind of throws out the contrarian opinion that, like, yeah, I guess I'll probably pick it up. I'm not going to be happy at the price point, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but I'm if, still going to do it. So, <laughs> if you're going to use all the like, you're one of the few cases where, like somebody who plays both Marines and Necrons, you're going to use all of it. It doesn't not make sense because you're basically yeah. getting the kit, the kits well, at. Yeah, because I would be buying price be. when they come out. As when they come out, I'm going to buy probably buy another set of flayed ones and it probably another unit of uh, heavy intercessors. So it's like I'm gonna be buying them anyway. So I might as well buy them and get the kill team rules. And I actually do like the scatter terrain. I think that that Necron specific scatter terrain is pretty cool. Yeah, I won't hold that against you for making bad decisions. Hey, so <laughs> no, hey, look if you hold my bad decisions against me, like I, you know. <laughs> Anyway, (sighs) and then that takes us to the morale phase. And normally our morale phase is not 40K related, but this time it is going to be because um, somebody broke mini Wargaming Dave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. Like I was just, uh, I think it was Friday or Thursday that I was just kind of scrolling around on YouTube um, and I saw a video that's, you know, from mini Wargame Dave is like, you know, the Wargamer that broke him. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be one of these like terrible gamer stories or something like that. And, uh, to my surprise, it actually wasn't. It was, uh, it, it was breaking him in a good way, which, you know, <laughs> sounds weird. But, um, yeah. So he posted a video and we'll throw a link in the show notes where he goes through and, you know, at, during the day, like he goes through and he just kind of skips around on Twitch scre- uh, streams and, you know, and he's a popular enough figure in the community that like when he pops into a stream, like, you know, people recognize him and things like that. So he popped in on a streamer um, that was painting some Nurgle stuff and uh, the they're on Instagram at uh, mango underscore smasher, 
which if you get a chance to follow them, there's they put out really cool stuff. But they're working on uh, some Nurgle models, and you know, Dave kind of came in, you know, and chatted with them a little bit, figure out what was going on, and uh, they had mentioned that they were doing this as a commission, but they don't charge anybody for the commissions, and that's their whole thing is they just want to give back to the community and you know do free commission paint jobs for people and. They're a good painter. Um, and I just thought it was really cool. And obviously, so did Dave, as you know, as he mentioned, like he, you know, the war gamer that broke him. It's just really cool to see somebody giving back to the community like that. And it's just really a positive sign that if somebody that is willing to take their time and their talent to give back to the community and paint up cool models for people that, you know, maybe, maybe they're not good painters, maybe they don't have time, you know. They can ask this person, then they can go through and they can paint them up and get them to a high quality, and then you have a showpiece model for your army. And I just, I thought that was really cool and definitely deserved uh, to be amplified. Uh, not that we're amplifying it any more than Mini Wargaming does, but still, there may be people who don't follow Mini Wargaming on YouTube, which if you don't, you probably should. But just wanted to get it out there and, and kind of tell that story, and I just thought it was really a really cool uh, thing for somebody in the community to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, at the time, I think they had like four people watching, like it wasn't a busy stream. And then Dave came in and like, like you said, just this broke him in all the best ways. And so he did everything he could to like get attention on, on Mango Smasher. And, uh, and yeah, it, that it's just, it's one of those awesome moments that we could see. And so that's why this one qualifies for the morale phase, because sometimes this is the kind of morale boost that sometimes we just need these, uh, a feel good story from yeah. our community. Yeah. When I checked out this dream, they had like, had gotten up to like 27,000 followers. Yeah. Looking at, uh, looking at their, their Instagram page, I think when I saw it, they had like 300 people followers on Instagram and now it's over 2,500. So Again, like just being able to boost the signal and, and amplify voices for people that are doing stuff like that is uh, is really cool. Yeah, the, the, that's just awesome. And yeah, Mango Smasher was just really, really moved by the outpouring of, of community support and uh, just very, 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 very cool to see that moment. And huge props to Dave for not just bringing attention to it, but then, you know, after the fact, continuing to to, to mm-hmm. tell the story and promote it. You know, it's it just, it, it wasn't just the kind of a one-off, Oh, you know, this, this artist is really cool. It's just like, no, this is the best part of the community. And that, that is Dave using his wargaming powers for awesome, which is something we are always a huge fan of here on the show. Exactly. So yeah, like I would say, go follow Mango Smasher on Instagram, on Twitch, um, follow mini wargaming on YouTube and Twitch. Like, you know, they, they all put out good content, give them, you know, give them some hobby love. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just good to see. Yeah. And I think that wraps up episode 233. Uh, like I said, next episode looks like it'll be Xenos time and see if we can build some stuff with those, uh, the last remaining start collecting boxes. But until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night, good gaming, and okay, yeah, you can still build uh, an army with that, Katie, and start collecting bucks. Good night.
Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.